Welcome to Unbooking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the beginnings and ends, the first and last, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. Dan Griffin, joined once again by my partner in podcasting, Piss Eddery, UTT, Rob. Rob, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm doing good, Dan. I'm doing good. I was thinking, uh, got a lot of driving to do tomorrow, so I won't drink too much. Uh, and then Beth said uh, a couple of hours ago, do you fancy nipping to the pub before the podcast? So it, it's going really well. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're flying high, feeling fine. That's good, mate. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling a little tickle or something in my sinuses, so apologies if I... Uh, if you hear anything untoward uh, coffee-wise, I don't quite get to the mute button, but fingers crossed the uh, the beverages will, uh, will keep that at bay. I'm going to get straight into it. I'm very excited this week uh, because we've got a very special guest. Uh, our first proper wrestler on the show. I don't count Nash. Love him to bits, but I don't count him. Um, you know, just why not? Why not slag Nash off straight from the start? And also, the first time we have a genuine, uh, honest-to-God promoter on the show, the owner, booker man, commentator of True Grit Wrestling, James Carr. JC, how are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on the show. Poor Nash. <laughs> He's not a proper wrestler. <laughs> In fairness, I'm pretty sure he said that himself on this show before. Oh, he's a, he's a star, though, isn't he? He's a star of the British scene. <laughs> I, love, I, I love him to bits, really. I love him to bits. Any uh, show he's on, he definitely adds to. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, funnily enough, uh, speaking of true grit, uh, I do remember uh, a show that me and Rob attended in the Lomo Club in Bradford, where I believe it was Nash, Mark Rolls, and uh, Pop Pump Kid of, uh, of Crash Boat fame. Oh, and a triple and, threat. In a triple threat, and Nash decided to take over refereeing in the middle of it. <laughs> I actually remember that match not being too bad because I do remember that like, on the night I was like, "Was I, was I pissed when I booked that match?" <laughs> like, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit random, and it's a bit you got some uh, unique characters in there. Could have gone either way, but I actually remember it not being too bad. I think it was quite entertaining. Uh, he, he got he downed a pint on the way to the ring. He, he like went by the bar, downed a pint, and then fell over the top rope into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Which is just natural. Top rope in the ring. <laughs> I've never seen him get in the ring normally, but we're not here to talk about Nash tonight. Um, you actually have the honour, JC, of discussing the most contemporary thing we've ever covered on this show. Nice. Uh, we're normally stuck in the uh, stuck in the eighties or the nineties or ni- even once nineteen thirteen. Uh, but we're here to cover the first episode of True Grit TV. Uh, first episode uh, aired on the sixth of September, and at the time of recording, it's the uh, it's the thirtieth. Looking ahead towards uh, True Grit Redemption, first uh, first show coming out of COVID. That's right. Yeah, we got our first live show on the fourth of November. Um, we haven't run a show since January two thousand twenty before COVID. I wanted to leave some time before I started promoting again, just because. We weren't quite sure what was happening with COVID. I was actually working abroad for a little bit as well. And then I just wanted to make sure that everything was in place. And this year seemed a good time to do that. And I really wanted to, and we'll get onto this when we watch the episode, but I didn't want it just to be like 
a random spot show and then you wait a few months for the next one and everyone's kind of forgotten about it. So I've started doing these things called True Grit TV, which are like half hour, 45 minute shows to build up to the main one. And we've recorded six of those before this one we got on the 4th of November. And that kind of builds up all the different storylines. You get to see the characters and you get a little taste of True Grit before you attend a live show. So that's been going really well too. But yeah, excited for our return, definitely. Yeah, so am I. I've been to many, uh, many a show of yours in York and, and you know Bradford and whatnot. It's uh, how can I not when it's on my doorstep? And you know, you guys always put on some some really banging shows. I think the first one was the return on uh, round about mid twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. I want to say, and I think was Sorry, that the one with uh, David Kirby? Maybe we're on that one. I think. Yeah. It, I think it was all like new. Or like first time True Grit wrestlers against the previous generation of True Grit wrestlers. I'd done True Grit initially and I'd done a load of shows in Leeds. And then um I got involved with grapple wrestling in Leeds, and that was really what we were promoting for a long time. And then I wanted to just sort of make it a little bit more professional again and separate the training school shows and the professional ones. So I brought True Grit back. And our first one we had like the guys that had elevated, like Dave Graves and a few others, and they were all against people that had been on originally. Um, so the yeah, the main event I think was Dave Graves and, and Martin Kirby, which was excellent. And that was a your wasn't it old Fibbers those shows? Which yeah, were... yeah, the old Fibbers shows they were great because I think it was we went two... to the last one, didn't we? Um, the last ever Fibbers show, uh, yeah, which I think did. was Boris's birthday. Yes, it might have been. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, God, <laughs> that horrendous segment. <laughs> My birthday. Was it Rasp with Rasputin? Yeah, which I I hate. <laughs> Everyone involved, I, I was loved it, but I was like, the story behind that one, and um, I've been building up to it for ages. Like, what's in the Russian doll? What's in the Russian doll? And then finally, on the night we revealed it, and it was like um, a little version of Boris. It was Rasputin. And and we were we were a tag team against Crashbow, and it was all it was all good. And then just like I saw, well, I let you behind the curtain a little bit. I kind of like let them because I was booking the show. I was like, you guys just yeah sort the match. Um, yeah, Rasputin, he wants yeah he can, he can do his usual stuff that he does. So I just let them get on with it, and they were going. I was just thinking like been going a while i was like oh, i don't know maybe not and then like and then i was like after a while i was like we've been out here so long <laughs> we need to sort. and i was like why haven't we sorted this and i was looking at the ref and i was looking at the wrestlers and then i was like why didn't i sort this i was a promoter and i got backstage and and i get so annoyed when people overrun and then i realized we'd gone like 40 minutes and i was like that was awful why did we go so long like <laughs> it was like 10 minutes it would have been like a fun comedy match how it was meant to be but no yeah we went ages <laughs> so i think the other three guys involved loved it but as because i was a promoter as well i was like i felt very hypocritical and very unprofessional that i did that <laughs> but it was uh it was fun but fibbers though were great they were always fantastic shows i feel like don black really came into his own there he sort of yeah especially when he became a heel in this sort of over the top like yeah flamboyant character and he became the true grit champion he was yeah he became yeah it was another level really i've still not i've still not forgiven neil for that the referee (laughs) (laughs) the prize (laughs) i just just don't know where don got the money um 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah he lives some... in York, so yeah, maybe he's got a bit of money. <laughs> I live in York and I've got none. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> but people in York got more money, maybe not. <laughs> ah, who knows? But yeah, there's some really good, really good towns on there. I think just quickly, the one that always gets me is the, um, it was the rematch between Graves and Kirby when it's yeah. uh, when it was the Halloween street fight. Yeah. It ended up outside with Dave diving off the uh, off the ring van. Oh yeah, that was excellent. That one. The, the the plastic um, Halloween, just plastic swords. They just tried to have a sword fight in the middle of the ring, swung the swords too hard, and you see this massive grey lump of plastic just shoot through the crowd. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there was a guy there who was in a wheelchair who was obviously sat in the front. And he just turned to turned to Graves, and he's there saying, "Use me, come on, tapping his head, use me." And Dave just grabbed him. He went head down, battering ram straight into Kirby. <laughs> yeah, some good things at Fibbers, definitely. I enjoyed I enjoyed those shows. They're always a bit wild. And you facilitated me getting drunk in my old school, so that was uh, that was a lot of fun when you changed venues to Millthorpe. It went from a nightclub uh, <laughs> below a strip joint to a school. That was quite a radical venue change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Dan can remember any of these shows and how much he drank at them. Yeah. It was the it was the one it was uh, one where I'd been to the beer festival beforehand. That was the real miracle. But uh, so actually, speaking of beer, segue, brilliant. What are we drinking tonight, gents? JC, you want anything? Um, so I'm on the IPAs tonight. So I, I you beer wise, I usually go lager or IPAs. To be honest, they're my my, my tipple. And tonight I'm on IPAs. I've got three here. I'll start with a Timothy Taylor's. And, uh, well, there you go. I don't think we're just audio only, but you guys can see that. <laughs> and uh, I've got a proper job and a Hobgoblin IPA as well, which uh, we'll see how far we get with them during during the podcast. <laughs> oh, good stuff. <laughs> That's right. Rob, what are you on? Right. So, Beth's a massive cider fan, but apparently she doesn't like dry cider, so I have to drink that crap. So, I'm starting with Lancashire Blush Medium Dry Cider, which is pretty awful um so, uh, <laughs> never mind uh, and uh, it's going from bad to worse here because uh, you know I, I just try and untap everything and get something different every time and uh, i've got a limited edition coronation street beer called r ale which is from robinson's brewery so yeah and uh, then i've got a pilsner from uh Lervig, so i'm climbing back up uh, the, uh, the quality scale i'm hoping ah, good stuff i've um i'm going big uh, straight off the bat, I've uh, gone back to our old friends at Tartarus, and I'm on the uh, I'm on the new uh, chocolate and raspberry stout uh, Erebus at fourteen and a half percent. I'm actually drinking out of a glass this time, Rob. So, oh, well done. No, I'm not have a brown paper bag this time. I, I have just put a Tartarus <laughs> order in, so I'm hoping Tartarus fairies will be here shortly. But if the listeners want to put in a Tartarus order, you can go to tartarusbeers.co.uk and put in the promo code UTTPODCAST15 and get 15% off. And it felt only right as well to drink uh, a beer brewed in Leeds when the True Grit Show is going to be in Leeds on November the 4th. And just right. to reinforce that, I've got Umibozu up next, which is a squid ink, yuzu and seaweed imperial goes. They actually coat it in wax and put little googly eyes on it so it looks like a squid. <laughs> Excellent, off to work. And as usual, the, the bottle art's excellent. Uh, that's uh, 9.3%. First time having out of the bottle, I had it draft at Trembling Madness when they did the second anniversary tap takeover. And then I'm going to Brass Castle for my third one, and it's it's all a bit weird. Uh, it's a pickleback, which is a dill pickle goes. Uh, 
4.6%. Oh. Now, when Gibsons was still around, uh, my old local, rest in peace, miss you lots. When a certain time of night rolled around, one of the regulars used to order picklebacks for everybody, which is a shot of Jameson's or Jack Daniels and a shot of pickle juice. Initially drank and thought they were vile. Kept getting bought them and developed a taste from them. So I'm intrigued to see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> so you might end up with some uh, some bizarre facial expressions or spluttering and, and whatnot. So again, apologies for the sound effects if it comes around. Wow, you definitely win most unique drinks for the evening. <laughs> oh, I love finding, I love finding weird shit. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, become, it's become something of an obsession over uh, over the course of COVID and the lockdowns and whatnot. Me and Rob play uh, play on tap like Pokemon. Well, that's why I've got a limited edition Coronation Street beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's why Lauren, who's been on the show a couple of times before, has still got me a can of that Northern Monk and Aunt Bessie's roast dinner uh, brown ale. I've still not managed to get to pick that up yet. It's been about a year and a half. Uh, gone off. Well, that won't stop me drinking it. You remember what happened with that yeah. landlady you brought around? <laughs> gone green <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, we actually gave uh, JC some homework because as ever when we get a, a new guest on we uh, we like to see what makes them tick in terms of wrestling and we don't want to do you know the typical how did you get into wrestling yada 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 uh, we're genetic freaks and we're not normal so we gave you uh, five factors of, uh, of wrestling JC and we asked them asked you to rank them uh, in order of importance to you now is this going to be as a fan, a wrestler, a promoter are all three sort of viewpoints rolled into Well, yeah, uh, I think that all, I know they don't always, but really those three parties, their interests should be aligned. And I think they should all have the same, whether they know it or not, I think they should be in the level of importance I'm going to put them, at least in my opinion. So, that, so I think it's from a wrestler, fan and promoter's point of view. Given that I'm all three, so um, yeah, <laughs> I think I can speak on, or at least I can speak on my behalf and I represent all three pies. <laughs> I'll do it. It's the most balanced view we've had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, we'll do it most to least. So you, you sent me five different qualities that make up a wrestling show and what's what's most important and in there was the in-ring action wrestling promos presentation crowd reaction and storyline that, that's right isn't it yeah so i thought about it and i thought whether you know it or not i think the most important thing because it's what you're it's really what you're trying to do is is the crowd reaction. And I think that has to be number one because all the other four factors are there really to generate a crowd reaction. And you might not think that as a fan, um, thinking they're like, well, I don't really care what, like the if the crowd's noisy around me or not, but but you're in, in my mind, you're included in that. So you're reacting to it. If you're not reacting to it, you're not enjoying it. And all the other things are like tools to do that. Whereas really the name of the game is to get a reaction from the fans. So I put that as number one for that that reason. And I include as well, and I don't know if you would, but I include crowd reaction, the people at home watching as well. So if you're like watching TV and you're enjoying it, or if you're like bored wanting to change the channel, that is included in crowd reaction. So that's most important. Then... In order to get a crowd reaction, you need, 
in entertainment generally you need some sort of story or emotional reaction so people uh investing in it so i think the second most important thing is the storyline uh and again i want to differentiate between when i say that i don't just mean the very obvious like soap opera style storylines that you get in wrestling and people say oh you don't need that like that's part of it and that's that's one way of using a story to get an emotional reaction but i think even the more subtle stories that are told within a match like even um even like a like Bret Hart's one of the best storytellers in ring ever that there ever was. And he's known as like a really good wrestler, but he could tell really good sto- stories in the ring. But I think um, in terms of like the wrestling moves he could do, like obviously he was very slick and could do loads of great stuff. But the, there are more athletic people out there than Bret Hart. But he was one of the best wrestlers of all time, but if not the best, because he was good at telling stories as well. So I think the stories is the second most important thing, and that's used to evoke a reaction. But then how do you, how do you tell the stories that then gets the crowd reaction? And I think you've got two tools to do that. I think you've got the wrestling in ring, and I think you've got the promo. And I thought about it, and I was like, okay, you could do a wrestling show with no promos, but you can't really do a wrestling show with no wrestling. Um, I know, yeah, some people have tried. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> some episodes of Raw might try, but essentially, like, you need some sort of wrestling on there. So I put wrestling as as a third one, and I think if and I think it's important to have yeah good wrestling on there as well because if it's if it's completely like hokey, it will just it will take away from everything else like you work the crowd won't react as much because they'll be like okay i can't really it's like if this i always say like if uh like we all know what wrestling is but it but we all know what films is but if you went to a film and the cgi was like awful and very obvious you'd be like oh, i can't really get invested in this so you still need the wrestling to be very realistic very good um so you can get behind it then number four uh i put promos because i think that's a very good way of making the stories more interesting and yeah it keeps it interesting it breaks up the wrestling and that's important uh and number five which by the way like i think all five aspects you need to make a good wrestling show if one of these is not there then there's a serious part of it missing so just because i'm putting this as number five doesn't make it something that's not important it is uh but i think presentation is five i think that really adds to the show but that's like the icing on top of the cake uh and i've I've been to good wrestling shows with terrible production um, and and they could be improved with better production, but I've still enjoyed the wrestling shows without the good production. Um, the production side, I'm really trying to improve in my own shows now. And that's something I, I think is very important, but but that's number five, because I think it's probably the least important. You know, what do you guys think with my assessment? <laughs> It's interesting because when we started this, it was in the middle of the pandemic and, you know, the Thunderdome and the empty arena shows. And um, I think fan reaction was getting a a lower down response at the time from a lot of the guests that we had on the show. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's, I think it showed two things. I think the shows were weren't as good without a crowd. It was, I think it was very different. It made it seem how important it was, but also I think the people at home is still your crowd reactions. There still was a crowd reaction in COVID. So maybe that's where maybe some people 
would say that there's not a crowd reaction during COVID times, but I would include the fans at home. And when you asked me that, I actually thought of COVID and I was like, okay, but the people reacting at home, like they're still enjoying it or not enjoying it. Like the, the John Cena and Bray Wyatt uh, Firefly match at WrestleMania. I absolutely love that. Um, and like how much wrestling was in that? Like, yeah, none really, but there was, mm-hmm. but it was, it was probably my favorite part of mania and that got a great crowd reaction because everyone was well it some people didn't like it but everyone was talking about it and that was like the most talked about thing and to me that's like a crowd even people like sharing stuff on twitter that's someone reacting to your show and if there's no reaction that's the most important thing so i don't know if i yeah if i'm clutching at straws with that one but that's what i think <laughs> i think that's why i put it as number one See, even the time, in COVID era. <laughs> at the time when we were starting out i put fan response at the at the bottom of my list, and yeah. I had the very selfish um, reasoning of I don't and I mentioned it to you in the uh, in, in the in a few messages. My logic was I don't give a shit if anybody else is enjoying it as long as I am. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, that was a very narrow point of view, but I really I really do like your your take on it and the way you've explained that. And it's two different ways. Yeah, if you're yeah. if you're just like if you're just saying okay are the fans around me like cheering and stuff then yeah you probably don't care and i yeah i guess i would probably agree with you on that but i to me and as a promoter like it's yeah this it's a fan's enjoyment and anyone watching it is is their enjoyment is a crowd reaction and by default you're enjoying it. it's your part of the crowd reaction and if i'm having a crap time then nothing else is important to me yeah. There's been a couple of times lately where crowd reactions sort of fed into the presentation. Um, like when Johnny Gargano uh, debuted on Raw, you, you could hear there was a response, but the shots that they chose for the camera, there was a lot of people not reacting or just going, you know, looking yeah. around going, who's this guy? And I'm sure if they'd found a, a better place in the crowd, they, they, it would have come across a lot better on TV. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I think it was this week, um, when they had Dominic cutting a uh, promo in the Judgment Day, and they were just layering really obviously booze over the back of it, and they were really tight on them, so you couldn't see that the crowd weren't reacting in the way that they wanted them to go over. So it, it can really sort of feed into the presentation and the way that it's perceived if the crowd aren't reacting the way that the TV show wanting them to react or, or they're not making the most of it. Yeah. I guess it's because there's always the thing people talk about what's the best match of all time. And and, uh, I think it's how Snow always says, well, it's Hogan Rock, isn't it? Because like it got the best reaction ever at WrestleMania. Uh, And so there's different ways of of looking at it. Like, I don't think I would say that was my personal match of all, best match of all time. But the pure, yeah, so many people are reacting. Has has there ever been a match where people have reacted that much? So I get why, why he says that uh so it's yeah i think there's different ways of looking at it if you're purely looking at it like do i do i get enjoyment out of seeing other people react then it's probably not as important but if i am including my own reaction and that is probably the most important so it can either be at the top or the bottom depending on which way you look at it maybe well it made it made me think of um i don't know if you remember a conversation we had at uh, Southside. <laughs> in Sheffield, which was a really, often a really bizarre crowd when they used to do the double headers, particularly on the early shows, because they were almost like wrestling zombies. You could tell everybody was watching intently and taking in what was going on, but there was 
so little physical or vocal reaction. Mm. Like I was sort of stuck there. I really enjoyed that, and I want to, but I want to be involved in something. And nobody's. I don't think even if I try and get a clap going, anybody's going to respond. There just wasn't the energy in the room. And I think, like I said, we, I think I, I mentioned it to you at the band. I was like, that was that was bizarre because we just watched a really good match. Yeah. And I can't remember who it was, but you know they got got applauded out at the end. But the whole time, everybody was kind of like sat on the hands and not quite sort of revved up or warmed up. It's like they needed you know half a gallon in them to get going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's weird, and it does it does take away from it a little bit. Like it sort of makes it a little bit awkward as a performer and a, someone watching. Mm-hmm. Like if you go and see a comedian and no one's laughing like how awkward does it get so quickly for the comedian and the audience as well and then it like and then it actually makes it harder to make people laugh because they're in like a negative frame of mind then and um yeah it's i think it's possibly the same thing in wrestling like if it's quiet and awkward it's even harder to break it and that sort of goes on throughout the match yeah we will tell the story about rob getting shushed again on this show (laughs) 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 next to uk but no, that was that was great to hear you, uh, hear you break down. It's it's all part of the wonderful sort of subjectivity of uh, of, of pro wrestling, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I meant to ask Rob, has, uh, has, has Beth decided to come back for a beer of the week, or are we still uh, still without her at the minute? Oh, she's not sending in beers of the week, but uh, we have just been to the pub, and she's definitely been on tapping stuff. So let's just see what uh, she gave uh, one of her recent beers, and we can look uh, at the rating. She had a passion fruit cheesecake from Yonder Brewing and blending. Uh, it was a sour smoothie. She gave it 4.75 out of 5 on untapped. Wow, fair enough. I'll keep an eye out for it. Can't go wrong. That's a that's that's like 10 stars on other people's lists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She, she, yeah, she, she also had some pretty low rankings, but I thought that was so unusual it was worth uh, worth noting. <laughs> yeah. So I've gone back to beer again because, as usual, I don't follow the format and I just go where my brain and the conversation takes me. So speaking of beer, before we get into the first episode of True Grit TV, what would you guys recommend people drink while watching it at JC? Um, what would I recommend drinking watching True Grit TV? Well, I'm on the IPAs tonight, so I would recommend some yeah IPAs or or I would usually just have lagers, to be honest. I'm not a heavy, heavy beer drinker. Not on the stout like you are, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus as well, it's, it's been airing on Tuesday nights, so you can't go too mad on a Tuesday. So a nice, light, refreshing lager IPA is absolutely perfect. Uh, Rob? Well, last time we were at True Grit, it was True Grit Rumble, which I think was in January, so it had that Christmassy feeling to it. So I'm going for Plum Pudding Porter from Wiper and True Brewery. So it's got the true tie-in there as well, 6.6% um, Porter. It's one that I gave 4 out of 5 to an untapped, and Beth gave 1.5, so back back to my normal ratings. Which means it's probably delicious. <laughs> I liked how you made it topical as well and compared it to the last True Grit show. <laughs> well, yeah, no, we always tried to say that was, Yeah, that was quite good, that pop-up bar that we, we hired. I think I drank it off of it. Dan came back from the bar with six Budweiser's and oh Dan's got a round in. No, they were all for himself. <laughs> I was so still half of them. Yeah, I do think we sold out a drink at that show, so maybe you must have contributed <laughs> to that clearly. 
I definitely did. It was, uh, yeah. Don't remember leaving the. Uh, don't remember leaving that day. It just it felt odd to say I don't remember leaving the school in that context. <laughs> um, as for my recommendations, uh, as I've mentioned a couple of times already, and we're going to keep mentioning, uh, True Grit Redemption is uh, is going to be in Leeds on fourth of November. Uh, it's a is it left bank? Left bank. Leeds? Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'm going to recommend anything from our buddies at Tartarus or from Northern Monk. Uh, because it's all made in Leeds, and you can't go wrong with either brewery. Or North Brewing Co. as well. Shout out for them. Uh, so, as I say, looking, I've said it a few times, looking at the first episode of True Grit TV. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, JC, but it was filmed at the Pursuit Pro Wrestling, uh, Wrestling Training Facility um, in, uh, in Sheffield on the 17th of August. 2022, again, very topical for us, uh, and aired on YouTube on the 6th of September. There were uh, there were a few people there in the audience. It's not a, not a massive facility, but there might not have been a vast amount of people. But they made uh, made a decent amount of noise, which has been good to see throughout. And uh, as you said to me, probably there's a few uh, few familiar faces in there. Uh, Some yeah. has already been mentioned on the show in Nash. So, yeah, it was a closed set for this one because at the time pursuit they they weren't sure if they could actually do a public show they'd had a problems with with previous ones so i was like let's just do a closed set i think it might be better anyway just to get these first ones done i think we're going to make it open for sort of ticket sale for season two when we do that next year but but it was just like we'll get like friends family wrestling trainees to watch it and we'll just do it like it's a closed set tv show and create six episodes to build up to big big live show so that's that's what we did and pursuit pro wrestling as a training school and a facility is yeah it's amazing i've uh, been there a few times now and the first the wrestling training classes given by liam are excellent and then the facilities are really good as well like i haven't seen anything like it in this country like it's really professional all the recording equipment and that sort of stuff is great even when they do their in-house shows like they look more professional than than a lot of british wrestling shows to be honest so it's it's a great setup and it's great for true grit to do like our smaller shows to build up the live one they've got um so liam's like the wrestling guy who trains people and nathan black who you'll hear on commentary soon he's got a uh, background in performing and yes and filming and, and on production and all that sort of stuff so i think combined their skills are, are really good they run it together like they're they're completely opposite in terms of skill set and personality but it, it works really well uh, and i think they're doing something really good there yeah, I, I didn't know that about Nathan Black uh, being on the production side of things. Uh, I knew Liam was the um, was the trainer there because I, I listened to um, Podquisition uh, and PBW has obviously uh, had a hand in a big hand in uh, in training Commander Sterling. That's right. Um, and a lot of the PPW PPW folks uh, have ended up in uh, in North, which is uh, you know where Liam's champion another promotion that I follow as well. And it really they really do seem to be taking uh, wrestling at least in the north of England. Uh, by storm and i've never heard anything but good things about uh, about their facility and and the, and what they all do it, it's really great to see as a fan yeah yeah it's good i'd recommend anyone wanting to learn to wrestle to go and train there definitely and just skipping ahead uh, a few episodes uh, we see commander sterling uh, appearing i think it's on episode four as well yes this week commander sterling appeared 
for an interview with with Nathan Black, which uh, didn't end very well. My co-commentator Nathan Black attacking Sterling from behind and and Scarpering running off, so he was up to no good as usual. So that's um, yeah, a match that we will see on yeah the fourth of November uh, at Left Bank, Amanda Sterling versus Nathan Black, which I think will be so different from everything else like two really strong characters two really good talkers and two really good storytellers with their their background in sort of entertainment they're doing in other fields i think that one should be should be excellent i think every match is very yeah i always try and like make it a bit of a variety show my wrestling shows and i think we've got that for for this one definitely yeah there's always something for everybody on on a true grit show it's and Again, personal though, skipping ahead in the in the True Grit TV timeline, the Pure Grit Rules matches are back, and I could not be happier. <laughs> yeah, so so again, very different. We've got Pure Grit Rules, which is, and I love the Pure Grit division actually. I've, we've had two matches on True Grit TV, and uh, it's five rounds. Anyone that's not watched it yet, it's five rounds. It's submissions only. Oh, sorry, three rounds of five minutes, and it's submission only. And it's more for, yeah, I guess, very more of a wrestling style, almost like shoot wrestling style. And we've had we've had Liam Slater against Ellis Barker, which was excellent. And we've had Kevin Lloyd this week against Dan Evans. I all have got sort of experience in in either sort of wrestling, MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, shoot wrestling or, or a combination of, of all of them. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's excellent. I think given... Especially because my I always played like very strong characters and did stories and stuff, but that wrestling style I absolutely love, and I'm really glad that we've got that on on True Grit. It's one of my favourite things we got on at the moment, just because it's yeah, it's so different. Yeah, well, to me, to me, anything like that, you know, any any company that's tried to do it uh, before, the, the the physical competition becomes a story unto itself. You know, yeah, the, no, there's it, still, it, it, definitely it, still stories there, and it's um, and you'll see that as as it progresses. It, but it's more of that, I guess, yeah, sort of serious wrestling style, and taking away pins as well is quite. That was something I wasn't sure about when we first just to pull back the curtain a little bit again. But if when I was like, do we make it like world of sport and have it just sort of like like rounds but we still have pins and do it that way and i was like i want to make it more modern and i and i really want to focus on the submissions and the submission style and if you're doing pure grit wrestling i want it to be i guess shoot wrestling like so i think yeah shoot wrestling is is where it's like submission only so you're not trying to pin their shoulders to the mat I also did shortly before my had surgery a couple of years ago but before shortly before that i was against Kev on a Pancras show. I don't know if you've ever seen Pancras. Uh, it's like a Japanese sort of shoot fighting style yeah. that they, they do. And and that's like submission only, open hand strikes. And and it was just, it was really good to be a part of. And and I wanted something similar to that on the on the True Grit shows. So I just I just sort of taken little bits from lots of different things that I saw and, and uh, I guess made my own rule base. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. But the first two matches have been excellent. I think we I picked four good guys to, to do it. Yeah, you definitely did. It was my first sighting of um, of Ellis Barker. I'd heard his name before. I knew sort of knew a little bit about him. But those first two uh, pure grit matches on True Grit TV were 
as good, yeah. if, as actually, good or better as anything you'll see anywhere. In terms actually, of like, yeah, I'm putting myself over putting those matches together, but it was Liam who who suggested Ellis because um, I was looking, I had the three, and then I was like, I need someone for Liam, and uh, and Liam said, well, the yeah, shoot champion, like that's really his style. I think we could do a really good match, and it was yeah, and and I just looked him up, and I was like, oh, he's good, and then yeah, he was he was excellent. They were really good. And talking about even that match, like the wrestling style, there was a story within that match. We talked about this before, even though it was wrestling, like you had, he was on top and then Liam just changed up and sort of went hell for leather at the beginning of round two, stepped up that gear and and got a lot more aggressive and that got the win for him. And, um, And that sort of told a little story there. Obviously you've got Liam, uh, not, very happy with Kev because they're both very good pure wrestlers, but Liam has gone in one direction and calls himself like a postmodern wrestler, like doesn't want any gimmicks, just comes out in the shorts and does the wrestling. Whereas Kev is an accomplished wrestler as well, but he comes out as sexy Kev and does the dancing before. And like Liam doesn't like that because he thinks it should be pure wrestling already. Like you've got, yeah, you've got like different personalities there and a, a different story, but but it's in a slightly different context, and you can imagine seeing a, a similar sort of co- a similar sort of story in MMA or something. Even though it may be a bit more, well, it might not be subtle nowadays, but it's presented in a slightly different way. And because it's MMA, people don't sort of realise that they're watching a story, but they are. And and I want the same sort of thing for Pure Grit. And in terms of personalities, you look at sorry, Rob. In, in, in terms of personalities though, and, and in, in in wider sport look at the things going on at the minute between Tyson Fury and Andy Joshua trying to get that fight made Fury's constantly on social media giving ultimatums changing you know moving the goalpost saying you know backing up changing his tune and all you get from Joshua is well I'm doing it I'm fire it'll get done don't worry you know it, you know, it, it, it all feeds into everything. But uh, sorry, Rob, I'll cut right across you there. No, no, it's fine. I've just it's interesting with Liam Slater over the last um, few years how, how he's gone. Certainly, in certain promotions, he, he was quite sort of gimmick based and coming out to the Venga Boys music and sort of really playing into the gimmick side of wrestling. And and now he's evolved into this pure wrestling, uh, almost a darker side to it. No, um, as you say, no, no gimmick sort of thing, and and just that real transition. So there will be people who maybe haven't seen him in that role thus far, but it's uh, it's really interesting transformation, and uh, he looks really sort of legit in that role. So it, it's fantastic. But it, it does, um, you know, from from a booker's point of view, if you've got wrestlers that are using gimmicks in, uh, or, you know, changing gimmicks in different promotions, that kind of thing. How important is it to kind of align the gimmicks with True Grit or do you let people work their own characters, that kind of thing? So I said recently, I went down to the PPW facility to just join in a training session recently and they asked me at the end, like, what I'm looking for. And it made me think, and and one thing that I actually want to move away from is not very obvious characters, but characters that don't fit their personalities. And I want... Because I want I want True Grit to be the brand. Like I want it to be gritty, hard hitting, realistic, and I want it to be true and like feel believable because it is believable. And I want the characters to be based on that. I made the the remark, and I use myself as an example, not to offend anyone, but like I probably wouldn't book Boris Kozlov in True Grit Wrestling now because that because people I did it well, and people always and I think people did get behind me because. 
like they, yeah they like the character and they they got behind it but at the end of the day most people in the audience yeah knew that i wasn't actually russian or they definitely questioned it and i think that took away from it a little bit especially when i do interviews or like the bits like on the show sometimes it was okay but like before and after like it would take away from it a little bit and i had this discussion with uh and serico wes who plays in serico and he He's a lot more legit than Boris was because he's actually from Uganda and he's got that background, but he always did the accent and he doesn't actually speak with that accent and it made it a bit more hokey. And when he and when he did interviews and stuff, I was like, I'm not and he was talking about like quite like cool stuff that he's doing, like the ultra marathons and all that stuff. And uh and also some of the things like back in Uganda and like he's had like I guess some yeah his family have had hardships there and stuff and like going from there and coming to the UK. And I was like, this is really interesting stuff, but we can't really take it seriously. If you're putting on an accent, I think people know that you're putting on an accent. So one of the things that I said to him, I was like, we, yeah, we should get rid of that for true grit and see if we can make it still. You're the guy from Uganda. Cause that's true. And that's believable. And you're still like, yeah, really athletic. And you, yeah, you've sort of got this, yeah, this very, um, yeah fluid but yeah sort of different style but it's more in line with with you so i want i want strong characters and i want gimmicks but i want it to be as close to the person as possible like times 10 like again the most i think the most popular characters tend to be like that anyway like look at when stone like use stone cold as an example when he really became like a megastar he was like a an amplified version of himself when the rock became a megastar as an amplified version of himself. And, um, and I think that's generally is the case. Like maybe there's a few exceptions, maybe like undertaker is an exception. He's like one of the biggest sort of gimmicks ever, but even him, like, like he's still, there's still elements of, of him in there. Definitely. And I, and I think it's, it's when it's, when it's a very obvious character and you, and you feel like the person playing it is, too far removed from the character then it takes away from the gimmick and the show so i want everyone to have strong characters and people will be behind them but i but i want it to be i want it to be believable and realistic and i think those two things can actually really they can actually work well together and i think together they can actually be be greater but uh sometimes people look at like the wrestler and the gimmick so separately like you need to be one or the other um whereas really i think yeah you need to be need to be both yeah. I can't remember what your initial question was. I went off on one there. But... <laughs> no, I, I think you covered it. <laughs> <laughs> Going off on a tangent and forgetting what you were talking about is kind of the modus operandi for this show. So. <laughs> That's no big deal. So, shall, we, <laughs> shall, we, uh, shall we launch right into, the, into it then, gents, with the, uh, the opening of the show? I don't know what that music was uh, as it opened up, but my God, does it make you sit up and take notice? Yeah, a band and oh, I will. I need to find the band's name again. It was my friend's band. Who? What was my friend's friend's band who recorded it for us? Uh, and it's just um, uh, gone from my mind the name. But they recorded the opening credits for us, and it just seemed to work very well for yeah for True Grit TV. Yeah, um, and you were saying before about the uh, about the production. It it was so slick with the you know the clips from the show and the true grit logo being there and the transitions between the clips it was a top level intro music that makes you sit up and take notice the action on screens fast paced to draw you in thought it was great 
Yeah, I thought it needed like opening credits and it needed clips. Um, and I think the yeah the production is good. That's uh, Happy Finger Productions we use in Sheffield, and I thought they did a great job with the opening credits. Definitely. The, the show starts. Um, you introduce uh, the ring announcer Priscilla, um, the Queen of the Ring, who's uh, recently been PCW champion. So. Yeah, it was it was great to see Priscilla. Um, only seen Priscilla wrestle live the once uh it was in in bradford actually but i won't name the promotion because uh it turned out where it was running it was a a knobhead to be quite honest so oh yeah we'll give many more time than you move on to uh, that yeah priscilla is i've known priscilla for for years actually but never never had them on on true grit shows and i just thought they'd be great for doing the ring announcing well, we're speaking about um, Commander Sterling from the PPW school before Spectrum Pro Wrestling. Stephanie Sterling's promotion had their first show uh, weekend just gone, and I got to watch Priscilla uh, wrestle Commander Sterling, which was an absolutely fantastic match. But my God, the, the slaps and the strikes! <laughs> really. <laughs> even even through Twitch, and even with even with the accursed you know, tech issues that, that go with live streaming. You you could feel it through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do want to use Priscilla in a wrestling role at, at some point as well. And I want to make sure I do that. I've got the problem with um, Priscilla and Nathan Black on commentary is they're both so good in those respective roles, but I also know they want to do wrestling. So I want to get them involved in wrestling <laughs> as well. But I don't, I want them to still be, yeah, I want them to be able to do those roles too because they're so good at it. Well, Nathan Black for me, I've, I've seen him in seen him in Rise, very briefly. Um, at one of the deathmatch tournament shows um, a little while back, and he's just sort of sprung out of nowhere, seemingly. And I mean this with with the most respect. He's such a good dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant, and he, I think he he's so good at talking. I found him really easy to do commentary with like i think we bounce off each other quite well i i'm a big fan of um wrestling in sort of the early 90s and even the 80s like i used to watch wrestlemanias and i used to love like how you'd have like the straight guy gorilla monsoon and you have like jesse ventura sort of poking in the bear a little bit and i sort of like i'm obviously not comparing us to those greats but i want the same sort of dynamic between us like he's a dick that just sort of like we obviously get on, but he like winds me up, and I'm like this the straight guy who's yeah who who sort of like tries to wind him up as well. But yeah, that's that that's that's kind of the the dynamic I wanted between us. Well, we'll uh, in my notes, we'll we'll come to that in a little bit. Uh, right, okay. Because <laughs> uh, there was, I'm sure there was a moment where he uh, where he made where he nearly, he either did it, managed it, or he very nearly made you crack. Oh right. <laughs> Probably. He's always making me laugh. Like he's hilarious. Yeah. So we're straight to the first match, Crash Boat versus Misery Business, uh, who are Joe Wade and uh, and Alan Kay. I've seen a lot of Crash Boat over the years. I've seen a fair bit of Joe Wade. In fact, I think I was in the in the venue for Joe Wade's first match when he was about sixteen, seventeen. Oh, was that on a grapple show? Yeah, it might well have been. I just I seem to remember it being his debut. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly where. Uh, or when I've only seen I think I've seen Alan Kay once or twice and the last time I saw him was at a working men's club in Sheffield where he was in a, a multi-person match involving our buddy Nash 
and they were arguing because somebody had nicked Nash's KFC. Right. <laughs> that that was the whole pre- that was the whole thing of the match. I think they spent more time in the ring arguing about KFC than they did actually wrestling. In fact, I think you were on this show. Or somebody who looked very like you with a with a dodgy Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Which show? Oh, it must have been a gra- it was a grapple show, right? I no, I think no, I think it was I think it was um I think it was one of the, the Phoenix shows for uh, Chris Travis. Oh yeah, yeah, I did a couple of those ones. They're really good actually. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. the Phoenix. Nash spotted me in the crowd and decided to throw the uh, throw the KFC bag at me and the bastard didn't even have the DC to leave any chicken in it. So <laughs> that was fun. But um I really like the dynamic between Joe Wade uh, and Alan Kay with the uh, you know Joe's a tall Joe's a, a tall lad but he's you know he's quite skinny Alan's obviously the 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 stronger guy the sort of powerhouse side of thing. I just this I'll, we'll get into a bit of it but I really enjoyed this match. I, I always enjoy seeing Crash but they're just two ridiculously entertaining guys. Um, I can't remember what um, what um, Nathan called uh, called Jake in in a subsequent episode of True Grit. But I'm sure he called uh, I'm sure he called Jack Bandicoot uh, something like this, this the steroid posty or something like that. <laughs> can't remember. It- he says about um, Alan Kay in um, in this one. Um, Jason Var, he's never ran anywhere, and that didn't hold him back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought these. I thought um, Alan Kay and and Joe Wade were fantastic together. It was the first time they they were teaming, and I really wanted Joe Wade on the show. And and I'd, I've never used Alan before, but I've been on shows with him, and I quite liked his character and stuff. And I was like, oh, those two could work quite well together, maybe. Like both, they got a similar sort of look both miserable bastards and it and they work really well i thought this match was as far as first match go like ever true grit tv i couldn't have been happier with this one yeah well now yeah especially just saying the work together especially now that joe's hit his emo phase yeah <laughs> a few years too late um but i remember joe sort of coming in it was like a, a younger more likable version of will osprey uh, just in the way he used to flip and bounce around he was absolutely mad and I, I tried to sort of note down move sequences and things like that, and Crash Boat and, and Joe just made it nigh on impossible. But <laughs> yeah. just, I, just, I cannot believe how quick they are. It's it's ridiculous. One thing I did like was Nathan dropping in, um, referencing Crash Boat's uh, work in North. I always like it when promotions take the time to, to mention others, to, to give wrestlers... I don't want to use the word credibility, but it's saying that they've made it elsewhere. Now they're here. Let's see what they can do. It builds up a bit of the anticipation. It'll you know if it's somebody's first time tuning into True Grit, which for a lot of people it may well have been, it'll make them sit up and say, "Okay, all right, let's have it. Let's let's get into it." And I actually said that to the wrestlers and to Nathan as well on commentary beforehand. Like we. We're happy to mention other promotions. Like, I think it's silly when promotions pretend they don't exist because a lot of the fans that are going, that's where they'll know them from. Uh, and there's always this thing in wrestling in the Brit where they're like, oh, well, they're all different universes, aren't they? So that, yeah, the other one, they don't exist. And I'm never sure if I really agree with that. Like, I think you should acknowledge, like, the the characters from or what they've done in other promotions because the fans know and like it's weird to make the fans pretend that they don't know even if 
I know, and the reason people do that, I think, is because sometimes they're heels, sometimes they're face, and and maybe that is difficult. But I think, yeah, you could you can get around that as well. Like if if yeah, if Jerry Lawler could be a heel commentator for WWF in like 1996, and he could be a babyface in Memphis at the same time, like why can't and and everybody knew about that? Well, at least they did in Memphis. Like why can't we do that in this country on such a yeah smaller scale than that? Yeah, I think you're quite right. Yeah, um, and I was just scanning my notes there. Just one thing that the first, one of the few things that caught me from Crash Boat was um, the tagged in. It was kind of like Jack launched. Sorry, yeah, Jack launched himself off Jake. I was finding that really difficult. And fourteen and a half percent stout is not going to make it any easier. <laughs> uh, but it's like Hardy Boys in motion, but Jack goes straight into like the the corner clothesline that the Miz does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was there's some great moves in this, like the double moves done by Crash Boat. Uh, fantastic so i know crash boat really from the beginning like so i used to run grapple wrestling in leeds jake started there and bandicoot started there and like it's so good to see like the evolution of them like that even see because i haven't really been involved in wrestling for the last two years seeing this match and also next week when yeah we've got natalie sykes and rebecca resner teaming as well i was like whoa all these guys have got so good like crash Boat especially i'm like they're like one of the best tag teams in the country now like that's amazing like how how good they are is yeah it's fantastic to see yeah it's great great as a fan as well because i remember going to a, a show with about 25 30 people on it in a in a little village hall between york and selby and the two standout performers on that night who sort of I looked at and just went, okay, we need to keep an eye on these, you know, on these two. It was Natalie Sykes and Therese. And, oh, yeah. You know, Natalie, yeah, Natalie's good. Yeah, but Natalie's, you know, wrestled, wrestled all over the world. I think, I'm sure she was taken out to India and, and a few other places. Therese is, is taking almost everywhere by storm now. And it is just really great to see how they've how they've evolved and and just just going from strength to strength. I was just gonna say it just goes to show like stick at something and yeah, you can and keep working at it and you'll get really good. And I think yeah, these guys and I and I think Natalie is yeah, they're great and Rebecca as well, like good examples of that. It must be quite gratifying as well as a promoter to um, you know, to when you you know, if you're booking these people or, or training them, uh, as it, however it may be, you know, but, so early on to then see him sort of spread the wings not to get too corny yeah definitely like it suddenly because i guess i used to book these guys as as trainees and now he's booking them i'm like i've got some of the yeah best wrestlers like these guys like can compare to some any of the best in the country and like i just used to know them as sort of trainees that were still like good but when a little bit unsure about themselves and quite find out what they're doing now they just gel so well together and it looks professional like yeah just look at yeah bandicoot i don't know which bit you've got to now the way that he's moving around the ring is just is is you could see that anywhere in the world any wrestling program and he wouldn't be out of place and he's still got the sort of um, spots to um, pop a casual audience as well. You know, when he sort of like jumps up and does the RKO, then someone who's just, you know, BKO. Cut, cut, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, Bandy Orton, yeah, you know. It, but but even so, it's like a, a mainstream wrestling fan would see that and relate to it and sort of, sort of pop at the, the wink and the nod there. 
So it's about about putting stuff like that in as well as all the you know fast paced moves. As you say, you, you can't write down everything he does in the ring because he just do too much in the ring. Yeah, yeah. And actually, a casual wrestling fan that was was on this, so we'll see him in a little bit briefly. But his his role was like do backstage interviews, which haven't been released yet. But he's a mate of mine who's uh, an actor. And I just brought him up for this, but uh, he is, I guess, a very casual wrestling fan. But he saw Crash Boat, and he was like, "They're amazing! Like they're just like the guys on TV." And I was like, "Yeah, we have good wrestlers in this country as well." <laughs> and I think he was just—I don't think he really knew what to expect, but he was really like blown away with with how good it was. You know, I think um, I think Nathan Black uh, actually summed it up best. Summed it all up best on on the show when he said. Uh, more combos than a Friday night at KFC. <laughs> yeah, he's got some good one-liners. That's why they call him the comedian. <laughs> I did like as well that uh, at the end of the match, uh, Bandicoot's trying to get a Tugawa chant going. Yeah. But he started saying Tugawa, didn't he? And that's, and that's where Nathan cuts in. There's not a GCSE in him, but he's talented. <laughs> um, it was just all around entertaining. Obviously, Joe and Alan uh, really played the part as well. You know, using you know the size advantage and and Joe with just how ridiculously he can move, Alan you know getting all the power moves and everything like that. There was there was a bit of a scary moment with um, with Jake and Alan where it it looked like it might have gone a little bit wrong. Or, or Jake was struggling a little bit. Heart, heart was in my mouth a second as a fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so. He sort of he didn't quite get him over for the final move, did he? Which. Um... I was surprised to see Jake going for that, if I'm honest. I'm not wanting to call him like, out or anything. Yeah. But. I was like, Jake, was that the wisest move to do? But he, yeah, everyone was fine. Yeah, no one was hurt. But um, that was definitely a, a risky move to try. <laughs> He's a big lad, Alan. Yeah. And like you say, great fast-paced eye-grabbing tag match to, uh, to kick off True Grit TV. Can't fault it, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and uh, I... I put this match first for that reason because I knew, well, I don't know Alan as well, but I know Crash Boat would be fantastic and Joe Wade I know is fantastic and then Alan just, yeah, he fit in there as well and just worked really well. So I was I was so happy with it. Where have you guys got to? The end of the match? Yeah, going into the interview. Yeah, sorry, I started it slightly before you guys. After. Oh, we've already, um, I've already watched it, so I don't have it in front of me. I'm going by notes completely. <laughs> Oh, right, okay, yeah. I've sort of got it in the background as well, just in case. Yeah. You probably know it better than me now. Actually, no, I know this episode so well because I've watched it back so many times with the editors. <laughs> got sick of it. Yeah, but see, to be fair, actually, that leads into a, to a sort of question I wanted to ask because I've, I've had friends who've, who've written books and, and things like that. When it, when it comes to the editing side or just putting the card together, do you have that that thing that most writers and authors get where you have to sort of go over it so much that you kind of hate what you're looking at by the time you uh, by the time it goes to print or goes to air a little bit it's maybe not with the writing with the edit with the editing more because because with the writing i find that a lot more creative so i i'm finding that yeah a bit more exciting and then when i actually type it up and stuff that yeah i do get a bit annoyed and then having to like change everything and that that's but the actual yeah creative side i never really get bored of that i enjoy writing the shows but the editing and uh and the writing up of the 
I guess scripts or yeah, or the match plans, whatever you want to call it. That's that's that can get a bit tedious after a while, and making sure it makes like sense to everyone else because a lot of the time it's in my head and I've got to get that down on paper, which is that is quite hard work. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Just had to uh, just had to uh, get that out there. Um, so we go from the match and we cut backstage to uh, Daniel Dewhurst with uh, with Crashboat and. They are exactly as they were in the ring, just bouncing around and excitable. And yeah. um, get Dewhurst asks him, you know, ask how they feel after the win, and uh, Jack calls it incredible. Yeah, which, uh, which made me laugh. And you know, <laughs> how does it feel to be back at Togo? <laughs> just thing is, this in, this interview is very similar to the to how they wrestle in that. It's a bit madcap, and I'm not entirely sure what's going on, but I'm just along for the ride, and I'm loving it. Yeah, it's good. Their interview style matches their wrestling style. And going back to one of the big, I would say, not their strongest point when they were trainees, like we used to do like little promo games and stuff at training, or people would like put like videos together for for their training matches. And Bandicoot and Jake, like early on, neither of them were that good. Uh, but now, like you watch them, and they're fantastic. Like they've become, yeah, they're proper promos. They're really good, and that 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 part of the game is yeah is is brilliant now. It's good to see. Well, you you speak about um, about accents changing and dropping fake accents, and I remember seeing Jake early on in his career as uh, the pop punk kid, uh, pop oh, pop punk kid, easy for me to say. Uh, Bill from Chicago, bless him. <laughs> yeah, isn't that of of like on the first half of the show we've got me we got Serico and Jake <laughs> all used to do like well and Serico's isn't phony cuz he's well it is phony cuz it's not his accent but he is actually from Uganda but me and Jake's definitely was phony <laughs> and now we're all speaking normally with our normal voices <laughs> it's like Vince it's like Vince McMahon taking uh, taking people's last names away <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, no, that's the thing with Jake though as well. That it, it actually worked to to make people really hate him. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> they did hate him. And he's yeah. such a good babyface now because historically, like I always used to use him as a heel because he used to be so good at winding up the crowd. And I think he liked being a heel. Like that's what he wanted to do. But he's now actually a yeah really good babyface. And actually, the the True Grit show before covid i think we saw signs of that it was him and natalie against ivy uh brady phillips and yeah and that yeah he did so well like i remember he got the tag and his fire against brady was like was yeah i was surprised at how good it was because i hadn't really seen much of him as a baby face uh like it for a while and it was so good as fire and against someone like brady it looked believable as well he was like a lot bigger than him it was yeah it was i was like okay jake can do baby face and now we're here like a couple of years on it's like okay he really can do baby face yeah he's excellent yeah it was there was a whole running story as well with um with him and natalie wasn't there oh yeah uh, it was he was trying to win her heart and win her affections and and she just mugged him off at every turn. Yeah. <laughs> so there was, there, was lot, there was a lot of sympathy about that. <laughs> His tag team name was the was the friend zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great stuff. Yeah. Uh, so up next we have uh, we have we have some handsome bastard getting into the ring to uh, to interview the true grit champion and Serico. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's funny. Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned about the accents because uh, I was I was wondering where it was going to go because 
I'd never really heard Enterico speak much on you know on live shows, and you know, he used to do the you know I'm not ready thing, and you know he always. Yeah. But I will say one thing for him: he's always got a banging shirt on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lost the accent, kept the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, I can deal with. I can deal with. And his his body transformation. It, you know, I can't talk about anybody's physique. I'm I'm built like an I'm built like a, like the marshmallow man out of Ghostbusters. But he's just like transformed himself. I remember seeing on social media um, the sort of the, the body transformation camp he went and, and the training he went through to get in shape and then reference it on the show here running the ultra marathons and which I know is something you've been into as well. Yeah. And so his uh, training was with a guy called Nush, who's trained a lot of like British wrestlers, a lot of the transformations you've seen. I think Drill, who you'll see in the ring, has done it as well. Uh, he used to be yeah bigger than he is now. Um, Big Guns Joe, like obviously it yeah. used to be ironic, his gimmick. And now it's like, OK, it's not ironic. He's in really good shape. Like he's done the training with Nush. And I think there's a lot of British wrestlers that got themselves in, in shape with him. So that's where... Yeah, that's really, but uh, yeah, Wes in Serico is on a different level. Like he looks so different now. Like he, he, he used to. Yeah, he he stands out from a crowd now. Like he's in great shape. He's got the long dreads, whereas not he used to just look like yeah, sort of average average guy. So he's really made a big change to his appearance, and I think it works for him. And of course, he's he's been uh, he's been north of the border to um, to ICW and got himself on the WWE network. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing. Yeah, he's doing really well. Like I, uh, for for the last couple of years, a lot of my sort of current British wrestling knowledge was through Wes because we were running, we we're training for ultra marathons together, and we'd obviously have a lot of time <laughs> just running together. And he'd be telling me everything that's happening, and yeah, he's telling me about different things that are happening. And yeah, his his experience at ICW seems to be yeah very positive. I think they were. I think they were quite surprised because none of them knew him there and they were like where have you come from like they were quite surprised how good he was and I think that happens a lot with Wes because he's he's quite laid back yeah he's not the sort of guy that like is really sort of puts himself over to other people and things so, so sometimes maybe he undersells himself and uh but then when people see him wrestle and see his character they're like pretty blown away by it which is which is good to see yeah, I've been watching Enterico for for a lot of years now, and whether he's on his own um, or, or tagging with uh, you know tagging with Seb Strife, he's just got bags and bags of personality. He really does, and he's just he's just got that that intangible factor, and that just makes you get behind him. He, he really does. Um, he's very he, likable. I think it's yeah. hard not to like Wes or Enserico, so I keep using his real name. But um, <laughs> I think I think I think the the character and the real person like they're very likable, and it's hard not to like. Like even when in real life, even when Wes is like taking the piss out of you, you still sort of like him, like because <laughs> he, he's just got that quality. And I, I really want to like amp that up and get it across in his in his character in Serico. I think the interview it was it must be one of the first interviews he's done not with the accent so i think he struggled a little bit with that I th uh that probably could have gone a little bit better but it, it got when drill came in uh i think it got good uh and i think they interacted with each other really well a bit of a backstory with what happened there so drill wasn't going to be on this show he was a last minute replacement and the person he was replacing like yeah couldn't make it to the show yeah some 
family related thing, nothing. Yeah, that it was something completely unrelated. But they were coming over from the sort of Liverpool, that sort of area, northwest area. And Tony Knox didn't have a lift. And he was my photographer. And I was like, okay, so not only do I need to find a new wrestler, and this is, by the way, this is like 11 a.m., maybe noon on the day of the show on a Wednesday. Not only do I have to find a wrestler who can wrestle my champion tonight, but also, uh, which is on the episode two, which, yeah, uh, was recorded the same night. But also, they need to come from that area because Tony Knox doesn't drive. So they need to bring someone like that. And luckily, Tony was asking so many people and Drill stepped up. And just so happens that we're like doing joint promotions with PW for you and Drill was their ex-champion. And I was like, that works perfectly. So we got like your champion or, or ex-champion who was never beat against our champion. And... Uh, and I didn't really know how Drill would do. Like, I've seen bits that he's done, uh, but I've normally seen him as babyface at Prairie for you. Uh, and I wasn't, and I was like, I hope this goes okay. And I thought he did really well. I thought he did really well in the interview segment um, and he, and he, and the match, which we'll see on episode two, or you've seen on episode two, was, was really good as well. So I think he, all credit to him. That was, yeah, that was very good. See that that's that makes him a lot harder to dislike after he was mean to me on the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I need to keep Kayfabe alive. Yeah, he's a prick. <laughs> but he came in there and um, just jumped into the number one contendership spot because uh, Dara Diablo was number one contender well, after the True Grit Rumble. Dara Diablo is still number one contender, but he um, jumped the show and came in and demanded a title shot. Uh, which I said no to. And if you watch the episode, you'll see because Inserico is such a hothead, he couldn't turn down yeah, someone challenging him. Uh, and so they ended up having a title match, which I reluctantly agreed to. But uh, yeah, it, does, it, no, goes, but... it goes against all <laughs> win losses and everything. Drill's never even wrestled in True Grit. Well, I think he did one ages ago, which was a, it was a joint promote. It was a joint promotion with someone over Northwest Way. Uh, and he, yeah, he had a match. That's his only experience wrestling for me. <laughs> it, it was a it was a great moment. Testable heel, Dara Diablo winning the True Grit Rumble. something cool you better booker it better and that noise right there means it's time for steve to booker it better okay (laughs) but let me tell you something i've just won the true grid royal rumble what honor in my whole career i never won the royal rumble match in fact i came back at the 2011 royal rumble 
where I way where I came back after several years away from WWE. And then I became a commentator where I could come up with catchphrases like Booyaka, Kofi Kingston, Kofi Kingston, Kofi Kingston. Cause that's all I seem to say in every single match. It's either Kofi Kingston and I'd love to say John Cena. But the problem is that John Cena doesn't come on SmackDown. It's just Kofi Kingston. So let me tell you something. While I've been watching this 2011 WWE, I've been looking at some of Booker T's catchphrases. That's right, me. I speak about myself in the third person. I keep saying things like, Oh my goodness. What the hell? You gotta keep on top of them. Christ. <laughs> so there you go, alternate universe. Uh, Booker T winning the True Grit Rumble. Wow, yeah. If I could afford Booker T, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be fair, if you ever get Booker T on uh, Rene Dupree, might show up because uh, they've got they've got had a bit of beef over the last year or so. so and, uh, I've had I've had very minor beef with Rene Dupree. Not it was very minor, but I remember he got pissed <laughs> off at me on because uh, when I used to play Boris, I had my own Facebook account for Boris, and and I actually created it because I wanted to keep Boris completely separate to my yeah I guess my non wrestling life, and I befriended literally everyone as Boris because it was purely promotional and one of the people that I made friends with was um was <laughs> Rene Dupree and he messaged me straight away it was like do you want to book me and I was like oh and I don't think I replied and he, and he started sending me messages sorry mate just, yeah, just stop messing me about will you why are you making friends with me <laughs> and he <just> blocked <laughs> me straight away and I was like god <laughs> Boris has fallen out with Rene Dupree within like <laughs> a couple of hours of creating this phony <laughs> Facebook account. <laughs> Boris and Rene Dupree already hate each other. Although well, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because uh, our mate James, who initially hosted uh, this show on his um, on his podcast feed, uh, currently does uh, Cafe de Rene with Rene Dupree oh, uh, right. on uh, on YouTube and in podcast form. We'll uh, we'll get him to ask Rene if he remembers you. <laughs> I doubt he'll remember me. I imagine he gets inundated by all sorts of random Facebook profiles. He probably was getting pissed off with it. Uh, I've never actually met him personally. I know he, I know he did wrestle over here quite a bit, but I never met him. So I don't know what he's like in real life. But my only interaction with him online is is him not liking my alter ego and getting pissed off because his alter ego wasn't booking him. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> Sorry, that's tickled me. That's so. Yeah, it was. Uh, this was you know decent interview segment. Even though you say Wes maybe wasn't at his most comfortable or, or confident. It's okay. I don't. I think I'd say that about both of us. Like um, it was all right, but uh, I think I think we could have prepared for it a little bit better. Uh, and I think I think it was okay, but it could have been better. And I think it really picked up when Drill came in. And I think the the interaction between all three of us was was very good. And that was when like the the crowd sort of got into it and it was a bit more exciting but uh i think the the interviews the questions with within serico could have been better uh and and spoiler, think, they do get better as true tv goes on as you'll see in uh, episode six yeah, <laughs> well, all, I was gonna, all i was gonna say with that was that even, even despite that um and serico still came across as, as very likable and and 
and all the rest of it quite sort of humble and, and self-deprecating oh, at some point. Yeah, and and say, no, that, wasn't me, that wasn't me saying Encerico was terrible or anything. He wasn't. I just thought that both of us, yeah, could have done a bit more, could have done better in that segment. We're, we're our own harshest critics. That's that's all I can say, really, <laughs> to that. But um, one thing um, with uh, with old uh, Mr. Black and Decker uh, drill there, uh, shroom tip ears, kept making uh, chicken noises, which makes him the third best poultry in wrestling after the gobbledygooker and Cody Rhodes in the chicken suit in WCW when he was a child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the chicken that Jade the Milkman Millman got from the uh, the pole in that chicken on a pole match against yeah. Colonel De Beers. <laughs> so that puts Drill down to fourth then. Um, I don't want to start I don't want to start beef with Drill because he'd batter the shit out of me in real life. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny when you guys were at it on Twitter. <laughs> ah, it's all in good fun. And uh, I know if he took a, I know if he took offense genuinely took offense to anything that uh, that you'd have my back. <laughs> just uh, just just calm him down. It, it, it's, it's just Dan, you know. He, <laughs> Ignoring. Yeah, honest, yeah, if any wrestler gets genuinely offended by that sort of stuff, then they're perhaps taking themselves a bit too seriously. So, yeah. uh, and I think there have been instances of that in British wrestling, but yeah, it's usually when people take themselves a bit too seriously. Oh, I've I've been told off for standing too close to a wrestler's car before, and and I just turned around fairly drunk. I was like, I didn't know this was your car. I, just, I assumed you'd drive something better. <laughs> what was that pissed I can't remember I know it was a wrestler I just can't remember who it was <laughs> um, oh, last thing on the promo segment I really liked it at the end for you JC when you were the pissed off boss man like you're the, you're the boss you're annoyed that was spot on yeah that, like, that, that, that really felt that really felt that was that was like genuine from the heart yeah fucks it it'll get you to leave fine <laughs> yeah yeah and i think it it i wanted to be angry but also like i guess a bit annoyed at myself that i'd been undermined and had to book the match which i think those two emotions came across like well and that's what i was trying to convey there so i was happy with yeah i was happy with that bit yeah, and then we got a bit uh, when you're talking to Nathan Black, where he's uh, giving us a bit of the uh, history of the Staffordshire Oak Cake, which I very much enjoyed. <laughs> that was very funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did like that. And we, we sort of go into the main event here, which is uh, Ivy versus Charlie Morgan. Now, we were talking about the sort of production of wrestling shows um, earlier. I know on the True Grit, True Grit Twitter account that Ivy became sort of a hero of these tapings, turning up. Uh, I believe she turned up relatively last minute and pulled double duty. Ah, so to add to the story I was telling you earlier, so not only did the one wrestler from, well, it was sort of Liverpool-Preston area, uh, somewhere in that area, there was was also another wrestler that pulled out. Again, completely, yeah, it wasn't her fault, car issues. And she was meant to be wrestling against Charlie Morgan. If you watch further episodes of True Grit TV, you might be able to guess who it was. But it, again, I must stress that like, they were very apologetic and there was no way they could have made the show. They pulled out around the same time. Around a little, so I had two wrestlers pulling out, both from the same area. Both were the only ones that could bring Tony Knox. So I was like, so I had to deal with the um, the one against Encerico and get someone there. And I had to get someone for Charlie Morgan as well. And we had Ivy on because she was in a tag match on episode three. 
which yeah you you may have seen uh and i thought okay well she can do a double duty and go against charlie morgan on here and that at least like well yeah we'll get over a character and when she comes in at for episode three it's oh and also we can we can introduce the we can introduce the tag team that they're against in episode three on episode one. So that was a last minute. And that's the thing with, and, and I kind of like, when you hear about WWE writers and they get, they get very annoyed at fans. Cause they're like, they don't understand. Like you have to change things last minute and it's not quite as cut and dry as, as you think. And, and when you do fancy booking in your head, you forget about this real life shit that does happen. Uh, and you suddenly have to like rewrite a load of stuff on the fly. And that's where, that can be really difficult part. So suddenly I had to rewrite a new title match and it was a different sort of character. So I had to re change it how it was. Um, and I also I had to completely rewrite the, yeah, the woman's match on the first one and bring in a new character for that or not a new character, but an existing one and you, and I, you, and I, and I tried to turn that into a positive by using it to enhance further matches. And that's why we used Ivy and she did. Yeah, she did really well. I think Ivy's, great she's she's such um such good heel like so loud and in your face and like really like annoying gets under your skin but just gets everyone's attention i think she's yeah she's great yeah. She, she's really come on in recent years i mean i, I remember seeing her years ago when she was she was just as uh brady phillips valet yeah, sort of thing. Um, you know, and uh, you know, stepping up and and um, the recent video that she's uh, had done you know, oh, I to, saw that. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the the amount of sort of production and it, it looked brilliant. And I think a lot more, you know, wrestlers as independent contractors need to do that sort of thing to you know promote the brand and you know yeah. make make I'm promotions aware. Uh, of... Does Ivy wrestle for progress yet? I don't think she does. Does she? No. No, I feel like she but should do. Like to me, she's one of the best wrestlers. I was going to say female wrestler in the country, but she's one of the best wrestlers in the country. Like regardless of any gender or anything like that. Well, yeah, Rob read my mind there because Rob read my mind there because I was going to say about the video and and how how good it looked. It it would not look out of place on on almost any wrestling show mm. out there. And it's a funny thing with Ivy because I've I've seen her wrestle quite a lot as well. As I said before, you know, Enserico has that intangible thing that that makes you like him, and he's just a very, very likable person. Ivy as a heel has just this natural way of being, on some level, terrifying when she's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, the bat between the teeth and things like that. But she's such a good complainer. Like she goes straight into this and, and moaning at Neil having double standards. Yeah. In, you know, in terms of checking for weapons and, and threatening use of the bat and, and all of that. And then you've got Nathan Black on commentary, you know, sort of playing into it. Well, she can use it if she wants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, giving it some of that. It was just before before the bells even rung, before they've come within, before Ivy and Charlie Morgan have come within, you know, two feet of each other. She's already there winding you up. And, yeah, she, she's fantastic. And, and Charlie Morgan opposite her. Is I, I think if I'm remembering rightly, Charlie had some time away from wrestling in general. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, sure when was fantastic. that? But yeah, I must. I must admit that all my uh, research on Charlie has been sort of fairly recent when I was looking to more wrestlers to fill up fill up that division. But um, uh, I didn't know about a time away. Was she injured? 
I, I can't honestly remember that. I wouldn't want to speculate. Um, but I'm, I'm sure there was some time away for Charlie Morgan from wrestling in general. Uh, but before she went away, she was sort of one of the hottest properties being touted for, um, you know, something like an NXT UK. Well, she, 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 had a few, yeah, she had a few matches. Didn't she? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I missed that. Um, mm. I, I fell off of NXT, NXT UK quite quickly. Um, as we we've discussed before, but you know. yeah, a lot of people seem to. Why why do you think that was? I'm asking as um, a promoter now. I sort of love, the the nail in the coffin was when we it was when I attended the the two nights of tapings in York. Oh, I I fired that. <laughs> I may have seen you outside. Yeah, we saw you outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it was so long. And a lot of it was what went on in the ring was great, but there was missing context. There was not a lot happening between matches. It felt like conveyor belt wrestling. And here is a match, and here is a match, and here is a match, and here is a match. And it went on for four and a half hours. We've often joked that we're still sat there in the barbican waiting for the show yeah. to end, you know, two years on. Um, so that lost me there. Um, the show itself for, on TV, um, again, the in-ring stuff, couldn't fault it. Just nothing grabbed me story-wise. There, was, there, were, there were other promotions that I was more invested in from, from a story perspective, which is a great shame because there's so many talented wrestlers and, and, and a few people who... who I know, you know, on some level personally, but yeah, it just uh, just lost me. Yeah, obviously, you came out and you got a flyer for True Grit, and you were like, "This doesn't, yeah, it doesn't stand up to True Grit Wrestling NXT." <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it was nowhere near my favourite show in that month in New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, although that flying that event, strangely, I think really gave me um made true grit tv a reality so because i remember like you guys coming out and other people coming out and and just talking about like seeing the multiple shows in one evening and you're like but you said it hadn't quite worked and i was like i I remember thinking like i could make that work and like record like three shows in one night and have that but make them really short like half an hour so you could have like a hour and a half or two hour show and you can get three shows out of it and you can use that to build up the bigger ones and i remember really thinking about it that night because you guys and a few other ones had told me like how how badly it had been done on that evening and i think uh, yeah i was a bit like i could probably do that better (laughs) so I'll put it this way: the first night was really enjoyable, but yeah. that's because um, a few of us had been in uh, been in the Weatherspoons before, and with Tom Campbell, who had put his uh, put his table number on uh, on Twitter, so we didn't pay for a drink. Oh God! <laughs> so we so we turned up very well oiled. <laughs> I realised I just claimed to be running my shows better than WWE there, which that wasn't the intention. But oh, no, it wouldn't be hard on that show. <laughs> No. But, but what I meant is, uh, I yeah, I could do a, I could do a, a, a series of uh, the the concept of True Grit. By the way, is that I want them to be like, because um, we live in like, well, we're almost past it now. We're living like this sort of Netflix generation where we watch like a series, uh, and we watch seasons, we binge watch it, and I and I want. 
when this really gets going, I want people to be able to watch like this is a series. So this this one is is called True Get Redemption. That's a series. And these six episodes, like the six episodes building up to the season finale, and then that'll finish. And then we'll have season two. And that'll be the same with building up. So, so it's more rather than just like quite sort of historical dated, uh, like one spot wrestling shows. I want it to be a a sort of season on a on at the moment on youtube channel where you could you could binge watch it if you want you could watch it every time it's released and it and it's and it's more in line with people's viewing habits rather than what i think wrestling can sometimes be in this country which is yeah is a bit hasn't really caught up with modern times that was that was really what i'm trying to get out of this um uh, i'm not yeah obviously I haven't got there yet but that's that's the goal that i want from this Oh, brilliant! It's it it makes perfect sense. Um, the when uh, the NWA came back with power, for for instance, and that was forty five minutes to an hour. And they do the studio wrestling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do the studio I need to wrestling. More of that actually, because yeah, yeah, it's definitely caught my attention that promotion. Yeah, it, it's. I'd, I'd recommend going back and watching uh, if it's on YouTube. Back on YouTube, um, going back and watching from the start. Because they hit lightning in a bottle very quickly, okay, and, and maintained it for a good long while. Um, it's another one that I've dropped off with slightly, mm. um, and that's due to a bit of a downturn in the storytelling. And there's been it's hard to say and be diplomatic and not say something that could get me sued. Um, there are, there are multiple members. There are multiple members of the roster. If rumour and innuendo is to be believed, are less than savoury characters that I have no interest in watching. Okay, fair <laughs> I think I navigated that quite well. <laughs> the other thing with NWA was that they they were you know doing quite well on YouTube, and then they decided to move power behind you know the paywall. And, and it's kind of there's a lot of choices for wrestling fans to spend the money, so yeah. it's kind of you know, am I invested enough to pay for just just their regular TV, let alone pay per views? So I think, I think yeah, that's a, and I I thought a lot about this, and my conclusion was I'm going to stick with YouTube, and that's going to be my the place where I show my shows, and I'm not going to charge people for them because I think bigger picture and investment wise like it it can make my business more money long term if i got it on a free youtube channel uh, and that builds up the product because because realistically like as much as i like writing and producing these shows if i put it behind a paywall who's going to pay for that when no one knows about us um and well, you would and maybe <laughs> others but it probably wouldn't it probably wouldn't pay for the shows and so i'll 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 ticket the um the shows themselves eventually so at least i don't lose money on them and but they will really be there the goal of them will be to build up the brand and the product and and get a get a biggest following as as possible and and really i'm looking at it as a sort of five-year plan rather than like a, a quick sort of book from a wrestling show which yeah you're not going to make a quick book from a wrestling show really it's there's, there's easier businesses to be in definitely 
Absolutely. And we've veered nicely off course because we were going to discuss the main event. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Talking about <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It, like I say, it's, it's our MO getting sidetracked. Um, I was so impressed with how much these two got in to a relatively short amount of time. But this yeah. match felt, contrary to it, didn't feel, it never felt rushed. And it never felt slow. It was, it was a rare thing, of something being perfectly paced, so that you feel you've had a lot, but you're still left wanting more. Yeah, Ivy and, is just incredible. Again, just an incredible heel in everything she does. And I wonder if the difference is like on the on that show, who's got the TV experience and the WWE experience? It's actually Charlie Morgan and. If you watch her shine, uh, or like, if I'm sure you you're aware what a wrestler's shine is, <laughs> hardcore wrestlers fan, like it's so quick, it's like thirty seconds. And um, I would, when I was wrestling, I probably would I wouldn't do that on a show, and I, none of the other wrestlers do. And I think she probably did that because she knew it was being recorded for a show, had a short amount of time, and just wanted to get it. Oh uh, yeah. And then just just do it quick, uh, and uh, and I think that's that's good for that that style of match that, that you want. It's very different from the sort of live show where you build up to it. Yeah, I've I've often heard the description of things as uh, of, of of wrestling matches as a good TV match. Yeah, and when you put it like that, that's I believe that's essentially what it is. I might be completely wrong. Again, I'm using terms I'm not 100 familiar with because I'm a wrestling fan. <laughs> and that's what we do. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they got everything in it. There was the thing is, it was it was kind of a thing where there was no major sort of standout spots to me because everything was so good. Yeah, and it had me invested in who was going to win. You know, Ivy spent so much time um, working towards getting the Boston Crab on, and, then, and that was finally her downfall, right? Yeah, and Charlie yeah, Moore exactly. got the win out of nowhere. Which sort of yeah. put over their characters, uh, yeah, well too. And I think that was the right finish. Which really going, yeah, into the weeds now. That wasn't actually. I didn't give them that finish. A lot of the time, I do give wrestlers finishes, but um, I didn't. And they came up with that. And and when they did it, I was like, that was completely the right call to do because it just came out of nowhere. And I was like, I should have specified that, but I'm glad that they did it because it. It made sense because it gave Charlie Morgan the win, but it also kept Ivy strong. And it also made sense that Ivy was still alive to be able to like beat up Charlie Morgan at the end with Ruby. Uh, whereas if she'd been beaten with a move, it yeah, it wouldn't have worked. So yeah, it just worked well that finish, definitely. Yeah. And one thing me and Rob have, have always liked um in, in anything that we watch is a win out of nowhere just you know, we know what we're watching. You know, we know. I'm not going to use the F word, but yeah. you know, we know there's the, the predetermined factor. But um, a grabbing, you know, like this, grabbing a small package out of nowhere, and she's got the three. It, it it's so much more feel, so to speak. It, it's so much more like a, a boxer being or a UFC fighter being caught with a lucky strike, yeah, or somebody snapping on a hole when the when when they're on the floor when they're beaten down. And it's one of the things I do. Like, I have to give extra props to Ivy for the gut wrench suplex as well because I love any any gut wrench moves. <laughs> I like yeah. the gut wrench suplex. <laughs> I used to enjoy doing them when I was wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and, and you could hear it in the commentators, like, well, myself and Nathan, like we were, I don't think we either of us were expecting the finish to happen there. So it caught us off guard and you can hear it in the way we react. But that's good. Like, I think that it's mm. good that commentators are caught off guard sometimes and, and they react naturally rather than just too, yeah, too sort of, um, I guess, robotic or rehearsed. Mm. But there's the other thing about JR yeah. never, never wanting to know finishes. Mm. Obviously, I have to know the finish because I write it. <laughs> <laughs> I give Men in Black like memory eraser before the show. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is good. Who wrote this? <laughs> so, are you going to say, Rob? Um, no, I was just going to say uh, a finish like this um, prevents the need to sort of have false finishes uh, along the way to it. You know, you you, you end up protecting finishes by having just this out, sort of out of nowhere roll up. So. You know, I'd much rather see this in, in my wrestling. Really would. Really would rather see that that approach. Um, but as you said at the end, Ivy's tag team partner, uh, Ruby Radley, comes out and uh, they, they both attack Charlie Morgan. Yeah, we've got the pretty little killers in uh, in True Grit getting the beat down and then uh, Lana Austin and, and Tonga come out, who are two absolute superstars. Lana Austin with the whole Queen of Mean thing that she's got going on now. You know, in in places like Progress and even on Twitter, she's just working it fantastically. I've um, seen, yeah, yeah, um, and obviously we've seen that we've seen Tonga in uh, in True Grit before, um, yeah, at least once or twice um, in York, and I've seen her in in North as well, and in various few places. She, she, she I'm, I'm not massively familiar with her, but she just gets seems to get better every time I see her. You know, I notice something else that she does superbly. And setting up the uh, the tag matches, you say for episode three, it was when we did season one, and we watched so many episodes of Nitro, where it ended up in just a senseless brawl out of nowhere. It wound me up, but this all had a point. Yeah, and it made like you say it it, it makes narrative sense, and that's why you know that, that's why I never I don't have a problem with it. It's it was. Yeah, you, you go off the air. It's it's hot. Charlie's been up to the top rope, done the, done the little DX crotch chop, been <laughs> sent on to take everybody out. Faces stand tall. Heels in retreat. What more do you want to end a, a debut wrestling show? Yeah, yeah. It's a nice little finish. Like it, yeah, you don't want any like too many twists and turns in the first one. You've put over the characters and you've yeah, you've sort of established them and you've had a an exciting finish as well, which gets you thinking like what's going to happen on future episodes. And yeah, I was happy with it. And in a lot of these, uh, well, all of the episodes, uh, there's normally two matches and uh, one of them is a women's match. Uh, the women are getting really prominently that was shown. That was something I was very keen to change. Uh, I was probably as guilty as a lot of other wrestling promoters in this country of having like an all male card with one token women's match. Uh, you've been to true Grit shows in the past. I'm sure you you've seen that on my shows and I want to make it as yeah, 50, 50 as possible. I think it's actually three is five male matches and three on the next ones. So it's not quite 50, 50, but, but that's really where I want to get and, uh, and make it, yeah, make just yeah, make it so it's normal to have a 50-50 match. And I think there's so many people that I'm very conscious of it now. 
and I still see lots of shows being shared where I'm like, oh, they've only got one women's match on. That's like it's almost like a gimmick match having a women's match on, and I don't think it it should be that way. So that's something I was very conscious to change, definitely. Uh, and I don't, yeah, and I think all the women we had on were were great. It hasn't affected the quality of the show or anything. There used to be, and there isn't. Well, people maybe people don't say it now, but I remember. And it wasn't that long ago, you'd get promoters say, well, I just don't like women's wrestling. I heard people say that. And I think that narrative has gone now, uh, or at least it's 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 a lot more taboo, which is good because it should be taboo. And and I think a lot less people think it as well now, which is obviously being helped by uh, the way WWE has presented women's wrestling in recent years. I think that's good what they've done. Uh, definitely. Like the fact they main event WrestleMania and stuff like that was was really good. So, so it's yeah. I want to make sure that that my shows are more equal as well. And I don't, not just from a point of view of, I feel like I should do that. Like obviously, I think it's good to do that, and it's it's good for representation and all that sort of stuff because you've got all different, yeah, genders and uh, all sort uh, other thing other people watching the the shows. But I think even when we're talking about wrestling being a variety show before as well, it's good to be 50, 50 and have it very different. Like it just makes, yeah, just make it breaks it up the whole time that you've got. Yeah. People from different backgrounds, different genders, different, everything. And you just look at the, just look at, and you look at the level of talent as well on the show, you know, on the, on this show alone, Ivy, Charlie Morgan, Ruby Radley, uh, Lana Austin, Tonga. And I'm, Desperately trying to count it because I'm sure I've fucked up somewhere. Um, <laughs> no, I've got that right, yeah. Yeah, you've, you've got the five women on the show. Yeah, all, all very different. All, all very different in their, all, yeah, all very different in their approaches. All very different in the styles. You know, you've got the out and out tag team with Ivy and Ruby, Lana Austin, who it was bizarre, given her Queen of Mean character to see coming out and you know in a baby face role uh, but we won't go into any spoilers for future episodes but you know go watch it keep an eye out on her keep an eye out for her um, should have known better right <laughs> yeah i know yeah but um yeah just fantastic to me i i don't care who's in the ring if the characters grab me they grab me and yeah and that's going to be great. looking forward to redemption at time of recording the matches that have been announced are uh, and Serico versus Dara Diablo for the tit- True Grit title. Uh, Liam Slater versus Kev Lloyd in the True Grit Rules match. Pure uh, Grit Rules. Pure Grit Rules, sorry. I've been Nathan always gets that wrong too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, great, I'm down on his level, am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got uh, Charlie Morgan versus Rio, who we haven't seen here, but Rio's fantastic. Yeah. And one of the later episodes, I think it was the episode that just aired on Tuesday, episode four. Episode four, yeah. Um, and that's no, that's uh, no holes barred, no DQ because of the finish of that match. Yeah. So already, like, yeah, you got very different. You got pure grit, which obviously got their own rule system, and then you got no holes barred with. And again, I I purposely I want to put the women in no holes barred because I I don't think you see that as much. Like you always see men doing it, but um, I want I thought, and also. Of all the wrestlers I've got on the show, I couldn't think of better ones to do it, men or women, Charlie Morgan and Rio. Like they yeah, Rio's just a badass and and Charlie Morgan's like fearless. They seem to be the ones that could do that one the best. Yeah. 
And then uh, we've got Pretty Little Killers versus Natalie Sykes and Rebecca Reznor. Yep. That'll be a banging match. Big fan of uh, of all four of, the, of those women. <laughs> Rumoured, I don't think it's actually come out on Twitter yet, but we can see that it's going to be Nathan Black versus Commander Sterling. I can confirm that here. And I think this episode will come out after I announce it, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you heard it here first, but second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think and again, that's that'll be very yeah very strong characters but again we're talking about it before even though they're strong characters i think they're very in line with their natural personalities um so so they're very believable characters yeah absolutely um and yeah i can't wait to see how true grit tv plays out i'm very much looking forward to the show uh, but we do have a few more bits and uh, bits and pieces to take care of uh, don't look because we didn't have any ads during the show no, no, but we've had some shout-outs for the show. So, Matt from Project Football Podcast um, shouted us out because it's International Podcast Day and uh, we were one of his recommendations. And he's one of ours. Go listen to oh, wow. football, Matt does fine work. My first uh, podcast promoting True Grit uh, on National Podcast Day. I couldn't have done a better. <laughs> better <laughs> if, if only we'd planned ahead to air it on podcast. <laughs> True, but, yeah. But we know. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Um, by the time I've done the editing, it'll be out for next year. So. <laughs> um, Steve at Total Steve said that he'd uh, recorded uh, an impromptu bonus of his own um, podcast uh, and um, um, slagging off people in the music industry and sell out content creators. Uh, but aside from that, he said that uh, he mentioned us 60 times. I don't think he's saying that we've sold out, I think he's just promoting the show. No, nobody will buy it yet, so we haven't had a chance to sell out. <laughs> But Dan's already said he's he's poor despite living in York. So yeah, you haven't sold out just yet. Oh, can I um before we carry on, the the band, which is also from York, is cast out, by the way. I should have right. mentioned that earlier. Oh, big plug for cast out. Yeah, yeah. we did the opening credits trigger at TV. Uh, we're doing a shout out from um Sam Rogers at Mr. Rogers eighty eight again because it's National Podcast Day. So where well, we were we and the our spin-off podcaster um on Booking the Tankatari were uh, uh, shouted out from Sam. So thank you very much for that. Never heard of him. Who is he? <laughs> <laughs> Who we've been to True Great Shows with? Ben at Witticisms of Ben. Uh, the advertising's clearly affected him because uh, he says that he's going to uh, order some Tartarus beer um, and he says he's going to get some of the uh, Inari uh, Japanese rice lager. Can't go wrong. Get to tartarusbeers.co.uk and use the promo code UTTPODCAST15. Does that count as selling out? <laughs> well, it's like Jeff Jarrett. We didn't sell out, we bought in. Um, don't, don't compare me to Jeff Jarrett. I fucking hate Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Uh, Lee Conway at LDCon71 said that uh, recording uh, the Roller Jam episode with us was the uh, most fun he'd ever had on a podcast, wrestling beer and Roller Jam for the Perfect Friday. That was one of the most ridiculous and fun recordings we've done. Roller, ECW and Roller Jam, it was it was perfect. I listened to that one. I listened to the ECW part today and I started to listen to the Roller Jam bit, but then um, it was time for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been odd if you'd sacked us off to listen to us yeah I'm, sorry I'm busy I'm listening to this really jam <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the ECW stuff I think you were spot on with your yeah talking about Raven and like yeah how he was like 90s style like yeah he was yeah he was cool definitely 
can't yeah, remember anything it, I said on that show. <laughs> but over Raven a lot, and you're just like, yeah, he's yeah, he's one badass and cool guy. Uh, <laughs> Impact Hall of Famer Raven now. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, Rob, we're interrupting. No, carry on. I'll tell you my Raven story after. <laughs> oh well, ju- just one more, and it's from your brother Cam uh, Dan. Uh, so Cam Griff ninety two. Uh, I'd uh, seen someone tweeting out about WCW being on Family Fortunes, and uh, was wondering if it was the episode that we covered, and indeed it was. Uh, WCW versus Glow on Family Fortunes. Yeah, he, uh, he messaged me privately about that as well. <laughs> oh, I, lad. Actually, after the Roller Jam episode, uh, he uh, messaged me uh, to ask where I got the T-shirts printed, so you might be getting some <laughs> custom merchandise. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Why did you tell him that? <laughs> oh, God, so we've got a Raven story then. Uh, yeah, so when... 1PW's, well, actually, it's yeah, quite timely because it's 1PW's return show tomorrow. But 1PW's first ever show, I was wrestling in Middlesbrough the night before on a show with Raven and a few others and uh, and uh, Alex Shane. who And I was, the reason I mentioned him is because I travelled up with him and we were travelling to uh, the 1PW show with Raven and Sandman. And I was just in the back of the car, like with these, like, oh, I used to watch that on ECW. This is weird. I'm here. And it was such a bizarre car ride because I was just in the back listening. And I don't know if you know, but like Raven's known for having like a really high IQ, but so is Sandman as well. But like, no one knows because he's a drunk. They were in the front of the car arguing about metaphysics which was just like bizarre they were arguing about time and space and like raven was like no it's like this and then someone was talking like no and he was drinking but like and i was like someone's putting across good points i think i don't know it was going over my head but i was like this is mental and we got there and we were like we were drinking with like all the wrestlers in the bar there was all like the ring of honor lot there which was like pretty surreal for me at the time like this was I don't know, like 10, 15 years ago. So I was fairly new in the business. Uh, and and I ended up staying, well, we both, me and Alex both stayed in like in Raven's Hotel because we weren't on the 1PW show. We were just, I guess we were just there. Uh, and so Raven's like, oh, you can stay in my room. Uh, and we're just, and I'm just sleeping on Raven's floor. And Sandman's, and this is about four in the morning, like, and Sandman's pissed running around the hotel in Doncaster. And he's going, Raven, Raven, where do you go, Raven? And like, just shouting Raven. Firstly, like, they're good mates, but he's he's calling him by his gimmick name running around this hotel, which I thought was quite funny. And then, and then you just hear like Raven, like, pick up the phone, like, in his bed, like, and, I, with the the way the room it was quite a big room like and I was just like in the little like hallway to this hotel room and he's in the room but you just hear him pick up the phone he puts on this English accent and he's like oh um excuse me there's, there's a very drunk American man like running around shouting in the, the corridors please can you sort him out and uh <laughs> <laughs> and he puts the phone down and next thing you hear like you you sort of hear like these mumble voices from the hotel staff and you can hear Sam my guy like no I'm staying in the hotel I'm just looking for Raven I'm gonna be seeing Raven <laughs> and they're trying to like kick him out of the hotel and it was, it was so funny and I was just like 
how have I got in this situation? Like, <laughs> I think I just left uni at the time. <laughs> like now I've gone from uni, graduating, to suddenly I'm like sleeping on Raven's floor and he's like playing prank phone calls on, on Sandman. <laughs> so that, that's my Raven story anyway. That's my, <laughs> he was, yeah, he was a funny guy. <laughs> that, that might be the best story told on this show by a guest. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I can't remember where we go next now. It's the awards, isn't it? Are we doing oh, it? Oh, yeah, awards. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to the awards section of the show. Uh, first up is actually really difficult um, because we're going to have to pick match of the night. So I don't know if you want to play favourites, uh, JC, or if you'd rather skip this one. And uh... um, No, I will for the benefit of the show. I think both matches were fantastic, but um, I think match of the night, goes to the tag match because it was such a strong opener and it was it was the first match of True Grit TV and it just worked so well. And I think um if if this and I hope it will be, if this is successful years down the line, we'll look back on that first match and I'll be like, that was a great first match and a great start to True Grit TV. So that that's the reason why why I'm picking that for match of the night. Can't fault the logic. Rob? Uh, yeah, I'm going with the tag match as well. Yeah, just um, uh, in crazy uh, high pace from uh, Crash Boat and uh, the power and the stiff kicks uh, from the misery business. Yeah, yeah, that was a good match. Fair enough. Um, as usual, I'm a contrarian, and I'm going for the uh, for the main event. But for for sort of the, for slightly similar reasons, because you guys uh, you mentioned JC about how the tag match kicked off True Grit, and yeah. you know, that'll be viewed as the sort of spark that lit the flame, so to speak, in years to come, which absolutely really hope it is. But to me, that match drew me in, but the main event did just as good a job at keeping me interested and and, what, and, and needing to see the next show. And the, like I said before, they did so with such a with such a I don't say such a small amount of time because that implies they, they got nothing but you know what I'm driving at that it wasn't yeah. well you know it wasn't a 20 minute classic say and they put a lot into a, into a good TV match and all the afters yes yeah, so it's the main event for me <laughs> now this might get you playing favorites next up is MVP of the night uh, JC who's your MVP of the night without doubt has to be Ivy because I think she did a great... Obviously, I went for the other match for my match of the night, but the reason I picked Ivy is a lot to do with the background. Like, she, of the show, like, we had a pull-out on the morning of the show, and she stepped up. She did double duty, and and I think she just went above and beyond on the, on the whole show, like, doing double duty and pulled out a fantastic match and just really, like, you watch that first show, and, you yeah, you don't know that you don't know that that last match was was like at one point i didn't know what to do with it like she stepped up and saved the show so she is the mvp definitely yeah completely understand that uh rob yeah i'm going for ivy as well but i'm gonna keep it in um cafe um she's the detestable heel so uh did a job yeah that too definitely um if i was if i was being sensible i'd go with ivy as well Uh, but i'm not and I always like to pick out somebody who is either in multiple segments or has multiple roles on the show. And I'm going to 
kiss the guest's ass for a little bit. <laughs> uh, because, JC, it's, it must be difficult to not only book the show and produce the show, put it all together, but also be a commentator and an in-ring interviewer all within the same 45 minutes. And if this was any other show, I'd look as favourably upon it. I'm not just doing it because you're here and and it's you and, you know, we were used to be on the Boris buses and all of that. I think you did a great job um, doing the multiple roles and I just want to give you a bit of of recognition for that. That's very nice, yeah, that you say that and, and I appreciate it definitely. It's easier... It's certainly easier booking and producing the show and being a commentator than it is wrestling. I used to struggle with that sometimes. Like I felt I I often felt sorry for my opponents on the True Grit shows because I was so busy like doing the other stuff that I, I sort of neglected that a bit. Whereas at least when you're when you've when you're booking and producing it, it kind of helps with the commentary because whenever you're talking to the wrestlers, you're like, it's just, it's getting all the matches in your mind and it, and it, and it's just sort of there anyway. And because you've written it and that's why I want to be the commentator. Cause I, I, I knew that I would know the product better than anyone else. Cause it's come from my mind. Um, and that's, that's why I kind of want to be the, the commentator. So I actually find it quite a natural, easy role to do on my own shows. Uh, and I think that's helped by having, nathan there as well because he's so good having us like the the heel commentator on the side of that that i that i've been really pleased with how the commentaries come across definitely and I do, I do need to just say again about nathan black as well i forgot to we sort of uh glossed over it in the um as you were getting in the ring to interview and serico and you had like a really nice sort of little impromptu back and forth as i think you were waiting for the uh, the music to be played and Nathan was just giving it uh, careful with all those steps, old man. You know, <laughs> and little, little sort of jabs about that. It was, um, it was, it was, yeah. It's those sort of. It, obviously, it's not behind the scenes because you're, you're still on air and it's still being broadcast. But fell. It was a little bit like when it's had to put. It's had to find an example, but it was sort of like the mask had slipped a little bit, even though yeah. it hadn't. If, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and, and and I think those moments are genuine, and I really want that to to come across. On there was actually a bit on this week's True Grit TV where I actually think that I'm not sure if it was meant to be in originally, but I wanted to keep it in. Where Sean only had bombarded the ring, uh, and then he leaves, and the camera sort of like it goes off, and it sort of looks at us, um, and we're not quite ready for it, and then it goes back to like whoever the next entrance is, and I actually left it in the edit, so I was like, I quite like that, because it puts across like the chaotic nature of True Grip, but it's kind of like giving a little bit behind the scenes, but it but it's part of the show, and 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 um, and because that's kind of like because I'm quite chaotic just how i am in my personality and like i'm not gonna i'm not like a sort of super yeah slick like everything runs smoothly sort of person so i so i want that to be a part of the show uh and, and i think it actually enhances it if it's done in the right way yeah i think you spot on yeah so next up uh, for the awards is the moment of the night so jc what's your moment of the night i think the well maybe t- two came to mind when you said that which probably means they are the moment of the nights because they stuck out to me. Uh, when Charlie Morgan does a swanton and she signs off with a big light fire and we sign off True Grit TV, that was one. And 
and I really like the argument between me and Sarah and Drill. And again, it feels it feels real between all of us. Like all of us at, at that moment, like it, like I seem frustrated, and Sarah and Drill seem like up for fighting. And um and the, and there's a moment there where it feels very genuine and very real. And even like being a part of it, I felt like it was real in that moment. So those those are my two moments of the night. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to jump ahead of Rob just for a second because uh, you've mentioned mine and it's, it's Charlie's uh, like flipping sent on off the top to take everybody out and then and then the sign off. I thought a great way to uh, uh, to end the show. Uh, Rob, what was your moment of the night? I've gone for the second BKO when uh, Wade uh, knocks um, Bandicoot off the top rope and uh, he, he turns it into uh, the BKO on the way down. Yeah, yeah, that's that definitely really a good moment. And, uh, I liked it when he, he said the BKO and it took me a moment to twig. And I'm like, oh yeah, Bandicoot. <laughs> There's the beat. <laughs> and I think it was Jack who was actually in the ring and he, he jumps up and just goes, Bandy Orton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he says Bandy Orton, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And actually there was another bit in the in the main event as well. Charlie Morgan hits like some sort of spinning head kick that I thought had taken Ivy's face off. Yeah. Which, which was brilliant as well. We can't give an award for sign of the night, unfortunately. There was no signs about unless you count the uh, the hangings for uh, for PPW and True Grit. Um, so we'll go straight on to the most important award of the night, the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. Uh, so, JC, who gets your Rene Goulet? Oh, who's on the show? Uh, who has? I'll give I'll give the outstanding hair to Nathan. He's got a good head of hair, hasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't win that award. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, who gets your Rene Goulet? Oh, it's got to be Priscilla. Oh, I want to know whether it's real hair or... <laughs> I think, yeah, I almost want to take mine back. Of course it's Priscilla. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll stick with that. Nathan and just say, yeah, he wins something. <laughs> <laughs> He should win something. <laughs> Insight into, uh, into Nathan's booking going forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm cheating a little bit. I'm uh, I'm taking the Rene Goulet Award and, and meaning all the hair that's on the head, and I'm giving it to uh, to Jake Silver for his mighty beard. Oh, good choice. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be done. So just before we sign off, we're going to do what we normally do: give the uh, give the first episode of True Grit TV a, a rating out of ten. Um, normally we'd start with the guest, but I'm going to let JC go last. Uh, Rob, what would you rate the first episode of True Grit TV out of ten? Oh, well, I, I think it, it, in one way it gets a ten because it's the first one we've got to go through with the booker of the show and get the uh, director's commentary. Um, <laughs> but the DVD extra, this isn't it? Um, I, I think I'd go with a really solid, like seven point five. Um, a really good start to a wrestling uh, series, uh, and a lot of uh, potential to sort of move up uh, from this point. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's uh, we, we've done. Uh, you know, in this format, looks at a lot of debut shows, and uh, not everyone finds the feet as quickly. Um, so yeah, a r- really solid start. I think if anything, the episodes on from here get better. Yeah, um, we've uh, we've got a little bit of a hive mind going because I'm, I'm around the same. I was at an eight out of ten, partly from the the sort of idea that if a first episode is perfect, then how does how does the series get better? So to yeah. my mind, the first episode of anything can't be perfect. Um, but like I say, Rob, this did a really good job. Open up with 
you know, cracking opening first off with the with the intro sequence and the music. Uh, the opening match, superb. Again, eye-catching, keeps you invested. And we've done so many of, of these first episodes of various wrestling series from, from decades past and, and, you know, really sort of big-name, you know, international companies where you don't even know who the champion is. You don't even get an insight into the, the sort of the hierarchy of the roster or anything like that. And you know we had that. So we had that here. We had Enserico out. We've got his next challenger. The the lines of of heels and faces, good guys, bad guys, were all drawn. We've got issues going forward. We've got plenty of story. We've got a commentary team that that gel together. But you know, have a bit of a sniper, a bicker here and there, which is always great to see. So yeah, it's about yeah about an eight out of ten for me. Yeah, uh, I think you're so, both. I think I'll probably agree with with you both. Uh, I'd probably give it an eight. I guess I'm biased. It's my own show. But it, <laughs> I really like it because it's the first one and I think it came across well how I wanted it to do. But there's definitely room for improvement. So I certainly can't give it a 10. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's multiple things I would change. And also, having seen the next episodes, uh, episode three particularly, I think we... We suddenly start to come into our own, me and Nathan. I think the production is better in episode three. We use different lighting and, and that sort of stuff. And it just, everything just seems to flow better. I know we we were chatting about it. And when that one came out, we were like, oh, this one's better than the last two. And, it, and it's because there's like slightly little things that we've done. Everybody's, the people, the ones that are on like every show are gelling together better. So, so certainly, yeah. So maybe even I, yeah, maybe sort of maybe seven point five was good because yeah, I would go between yeah seven and eight actually because it's definitely we've improved as we're going along and I'm sure we're going to improve more. I hope in a year's time I look back on these ones and they make me cringe because the ones have been, which uh, yeah, I'm sure they will do. Um, and I hope if if they don't, then I feel I've not done my job correctly. But uh, yeah, I want to improve on it every time. But it was a fantastic debut show, and and however I feel about it in years' time, I'm sure I'll look back on it with fondness and nostalgia because it yeah it was it was um I feel it's a real change for Truegate Wrestling and the direction that I want to take it, and I hope that uh yeah it can continue going in that direction. Yeah, same here. And uh, yeah. I was a long-time fan of uh, of Truegrit. Obviously, just want nothing but good things, and and hope you go from strength to strength. And if, if this is the foundation, then I can't see how how that can't happen. So, thank you very much for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you uh, about True Grit. Very much looking forward to the show. Going to do the uh, the sign off uh, a little bit differently than usual. We're going to let uh, we're going to give uh, JC the last word just to uh, give us the uh, sort of the lowdown on True Grit TV and, and last sort of chance to promote the. Uh, uh, the event coming up in November. So, Rob, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers. So, I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back on the same channel that you're listening to this. Um, you can hear our spin off series on Booking the Tanker Tarry, where we're following the ups and downs of the in ring career of the hardest man that ever lived, uh, one David Tang Abbott, uh, which has been an absolute riot going through. Tang uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> WCW 2000, we're uh, um, maybe rewriting the narrative of uh, of, uh, uh, of that period in, in wrestling history. But uh, if you follow the Twitter for that, at um, uh, UTT Tank, you'll get some hashtag tank facts. 
such as when Tank Abbott booked to go shark cage diving, the shark requ- the sharks requested that they got their own safety cages. <laughs> Tank Abbott's driveway is made out of gold ingots. It isn't an ostentatious show of wealth. He was just running out of storage space for his bullion. <laughs> he does love that pay window. He does indeed. And due to inactivity, Tank Abbott did not make this year's PWI 500. But he did make both the Forbes and the Times rich list yet again. <laughs> I love those time facts. They crack me up. And, and no one will believe it, but I don't write any of them. Karen's the last time I did one. <laughs> As for myself, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, uh, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. And you can hear me on the Doctor Who pod with Cy Powell, uh, that is every Tuesday. And we're on Twitter at the Doctor Who Pod, the D-R-W-H-O-P-O-D. Uh, by the time this comes out, probably just starting our season three. Uh, very much still enjoying that, going uh, one episode per Doctor uh, per season. And uh, something a little different coming up in season three that uh, you can just keep an ear out for. I was quite happy with um, uh, the enemy of the world, with uh, my, my appearance on the podcast, uh, getting a mid-table finish in your end-of-season review. <laughs> I, th- I think I actually I think I enjoyed the recording of that more than I actually enjoyed watching it because me and you just chatted shit for two and a half hours and got pissed. <laughs> Business as usual. Business as usual. Probably should also mention on, on this channel you can hear the One Man's Meat podcast with Danny at Scottish Juggler and the real Chris Bellis who are following um, forgotten storylines, wrestlers that might not get that much love for that kind of thing. So worth checking that one out as well. Yeah, as well as their. Uh, their spin-off uh, projects acceptable in the 90s, uh, look, taking a more favourable look at the uh, sort of early to mid-90s era of uh, professional wrestling and uh, and disgusting awful. Uh, looking at a variety of, uh, of horror and slasher films and giving a real good insight into those. So once again, JC, it's been brilliant having you on, mate. Really, really good insight into you know how this uh, how this mad thing that we all love works it really works and and building up to uh, to the next live show uh, so please mate plug away let us know where we can find true grit online and all the details for redemption coming up yeah so true grit wrestling is running their return show since covid on the 4th of november in leeds that's at left bank which is in burley in leeds uh, which is near headingley uh, you can find True Grit Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's True Grit Wrestle for each of those. And of course, we've been talking about it today. Our new program project uh, on YouTube, which is True Grit Wrestling on YouTube. And we've got True Grit TV on there. Uh, and all those shows really lead up to a, our live show on the 4th of November in Leeds. So please, yeah, uh, get your tickets from Ringside World for that show. Dan, I know you bought yours today, uh, so we'll be seeing you there. And, yeah, come along because it will be fantastic. I think um, if you watched any of the True Grit TV, you'll, some of the wrestlers we've got on, they're, they're the best wrestlers we've got in the country now, and it will be a great show. Uh, whether you like, yeah, We've got Pure Grit Wrestling, um, we've got No Hoz Bard, we got yeah, tag teams, title match, and just some of the best wrestlers in the country, definitely. Absolutely do. So yeah, get yourself to Left Bank in Leeds on the 4th of November for some True Grit. Um, I promise you, if you see me there, you don't have to talk to me. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a selling point, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you again, JC. Thank you as always, Rob. And thank you for listening. <laughs>